Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, good morning as the case may be across all these many time zones. From the exotic Tahitian and Hawaiian Island chain in the west, <laughs> eastward to the Caribbean, all the way out into the Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the pole and worldwide on the internet. This is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. Great to be here. Well, what an interesting program we have coming up for you this morning. My guest, uh, right out of the chute here, is going to be uh, Phoenix Councilwoman Frances Barwood. And oh my, what a story it is from Phoenix. So, uh, we will talk about all of that uh, with Councilwoman Barwood in a moment. All right, most of the listeners of this program are very, very well aware of the incredible sightings over the city of Phoenix recently. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had a report, a uh, rather detailed, uh, lengthy report uh, from Peter Davenport, at the Seattle UFO Reporting Center. Peter, if you're out there, give me a call now, and we'll arrange to get you on. Um, I should have called Peter earlier, but let me read you an article as a matter of introduction here from the Arizona Republic, that's the big paper in Phoenix, uh, by Chris Fiscus, it looks like. Phoenix may have opened an X file on recent UFO sightings over the city, but don't expect it to confirm the existence of Arizona-bound extraterrestrials. Councilwoman Frances Irma Barwood recently asked city staff to look into reports of bright lights in the city's March skies. The staff's finding, the city does not have an Air Force, therefore there isn't much to tell. Since, uh, this is a quote, since the city does not have the resources or expertise to investigate source of light, such as those that were reported, we depend on the United States Air Force to investigate all such matters, a three-paragraph report to Barwood states. Hmm. Luke Air Force Base officials, however, said they do not plan to investigate. The mystery began on a March night when calls began flooding in Luke, the National Weather Service, National UFO Reporting Center in Seattle. Callers reported bright lights in the form of a boomerang, with lights described as red-orange, red, white, or bluish-white. The calls came from Paulden, Prescott, uh, Prescott Valley, Dewey, Chino Valley, and other cities, including Phoenix, Glendale, and the East Valley. But the report from the City of Phoenix staff says there were fewer than five contacts. Concerned residents, uh, not aliens, to the police department reporting on or asking about these mysterious lights. A check with the city's aviation department also turned up little except a few calls. And the Federal Aviation Administration, which operates the control tower at Sky Harbor International Airport, did not report anything unusual. Barwood said she isn't surprised by the city's ultra-brief inquiry, 
saying she expected the staff to brush aside the issue. Is that not ridiculous, she asked. I thought they probably would say we're not going to investigate, which is basically what they said. It's still amazing to me that no one seems to be all that concerned. There definitely was something there. As to what it was, I don't have a clue. I'm kind of an open-minded skeptic. Barwood said she has received uh, 50 calls, not five, but 50. They all described the same thing, she said. The callers all reported something that was huge and made no noise. This does not mean it is something out of this world, she said. At the very least, you'd think people would want to know what was flying over their homes. What, would, uh, what, what if it would have crashed? I personally don't think it was extraterrestrial. I think it was military. On the other hand, if it is something from another world, Arwood said, I want to see it. She also hears the Francis sees little green men talk and the derisive laughter running through City Hall. I know that Skippy and Scott Phelps, Phoenix Mayor Skip Rims, I believe it is, and his spokesman are having a field day over this, she said. doesn't take much to make little minds work hard. Hmm. Marwood still doesn't understand why such a fuss was made when she asked the city staff to look into the matter. The city should get to the bottom of what exactly was flying around the city skies that night, says she. It could have done damage to antennas or something. And um, uh, Mr. Miller sent me a fact saying, uh, Dart, uh, Dear Art, uh, seldom does one read about, the, uh, about any elected official, for that matter, who is willing to acknowledge even the possibility of the existence of UFOs. To those of us fortunate enough to know Francis Barwood, the accompanying article, the one I just read, will come as no surprise. And he suggested I contact Francis Barwood was indeed a city councilman in the city of Phoenix, and here she is. Frances, welcome to the program. Hi, Art. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. Um, I, I think a better question is, how are you? Oh, I'm just fine. Um, Frances, you made a fairly caustic comment uh, regarding the way the rest of uh, the city uh, council and the mayor appear to be treating this whole thing. Well, not the rest of the city council. Okay. The mayor's spokesperson particularly. I'm going to have to ask you to get good and close to your phone. Okay. Is that better? Oh, much better. Okay. Um, you know, in the past, it's it's kind of been a, a little oh, war of words on different matters. I, I ask a lot of hard questions that people don't ask. Well, that's, let me stop you right there. Before we get into this specific incident, I, I would like to know, uh, what is your relationship generally with the rest of the city council and the mayor? Um, in other words, is there some political animosity um, that preceded this? Um, it's kind of been things that have happened you know, over the last five and a half years. Um, I am uh, not afraid to ask questions, and I've been told on numerous occasions that it would be better off if I just kept my mouth shut and didn't ask questions. Mm. And But there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I find if it's things that the city did that I don't feel is right, I'll ask the question as to, you know, 
is it constitutional or, you know, um, do we feel that we are fighting our citizens? You know, stuff like that. And um, because of that, you know, there's been a little um, friction. A little friction. But the, the rest of the city council, you know, I would say that they're all, you know, they're really good. And, you know, we all try to maintain a professional attitude when we're doing our job. And it's just at times. What, what got you... Uh Francis, to the city council, what got you in politics and motivated to begin doing things and become involved? <laughs> I, I kind of backed into it um, way back in 1985 or 6. I was on a transportation subcommittee because um, of a, a road that was coming through. It was a freeway, and I found out after I had bought a house that the freeway was going to take like, a couple of feet of my front yard, and nobody oh. would give me an answer. Oh. So I, I kept asking more and more questions, and I, I, gave, I was given the runaround, and uh, I ended up on this transportation committee, and uh, from there was appointed to um, a larger committee, which was the Squaw Peak Extension Advisory Committee. And the mayor that appointed me at the time probably regrets it to this day, but um, huh. you know, made me think of, well, do you work against or do you work with? And I felt that you know, if I um, I, it, I found city very interesting, and I, I decided that I would get more involved with city things. And uh, after my youngest child was 17, I ran for city council and um, won. And won. Um, yeah, I was the only woman. <laughs> and, 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 Francis, on what issue, uh, in other words, what do you think um, accounted for your victory? Why, why do you think you won? Well, there were a lot of things. Um, I don't have a problem with telling people when they ask a question, exactly where I stand on anything. And I've always been that way. Um, I don't see why not. You know, you either are what you are or you have to make up so many things to cover up what you pretend to be that you end up really mixed up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, and, and we can see that in higher-up government a lot of times. So, um, you know, everybody that's ever asked me anything, they'll get an honest answer. I don't do the, gee, I don't know, I'll have to look into it type thing. Now, uh, is it reciprocal? In other words, when you ask questions uh, either uh, across of other city council uh, members or uh, of the mayor, do you get the kind of straight answers that you um, uh, dish out to your uh, constituents? Um, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Um, <laughs> you know, Feel free not to answer any one well, that I you ask know, I'll, you. I'll end up probably with a little figure with stick pins in it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, I, I sometimes get the runaround, and, you know, I realize that, you know, people have their jobs to do, and they try to do them as best they can, and sometimes that means um, maybe not saying everything, because if the public knew everything, they'd be maybe upset with some things. I feel that if everything is out there, nothing can come back and bite you. I feel the same way exactly the same way and if it does uh at least you've been righteously bitten and you can walk away with your head held high well let me tell you the rest of the story is um i'm under attack of a recall uh it didn't have anything to do with this thing but it was because of a zoning case and they accused the city of hiding things and i said no the city wouldn't do that and you know we when we voted on it there was no opposition and i really i truly believe that until I was called as a witness for um, a, a group that was suing the city on another issue, 
And during the time I was giving a deposition, they had asked me a particular question, and I said, oh, no, because we didn't know about that in, you know, mid-'95. And they put a letter in front of me that was from our mayor to the head of this company back four months before we voted on it, saying exactly where it was going to go and everything, Mm -hmm. and not CC to anybody. It was a a personal letter. And they pulled it out of the, uh, you know, the truth in open law, whatever it is, and uh, I, at that point, I was furious, and I, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I just felt, you know, that was extremely dishonest on the mayor's part. He could have said right at the beginning, well, yes, I knew about this ahead of time, but he didn't. So, in other words, you're, uh, you're under recall because uh, you voted affirmatively without the knowledge of this this letter is that correct that's correct uh surely your constituents um understand or do they not or or are they just now hearing (laughs) in other words how big an issue has this been in phoenix do the people understand the chronology of how it occurred uh some of them do because it appeared in what they kind of call our tabloid type paper which is uh the new times and, you know, some people tend to disregard that, but a portion of it is, you know, heavy political things. Sure. And there was an article that this uh, reporter did, Tony Ortega, and, um, you know, he, he found out about this letter because I was so furious. I told someone who told someone who told him, and then he called me. And they did quite a good article on it, and, it, and the title of it was, I've Been Had. And some of the people who are leading this opposition got that uh, article and they called me and they said you know well we felt you know that it wasn't you but you know are you sure you didn't know about that and I said there would be no way that I could know about it mm-hmm. and also when they went down there to pull all the information about this particular area and case they did not get that letter I take it uh, there are recall efforts against all of those who voted affirmatively no it, and it was unanimous um, it was just against well, no, me. Wait, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> wait a minute now. Um, I, that I don't understand. Or is it just because it affected the area you represent? That's it's that is correct. It's yeah, in I a, see. our okay. village core, right, uh, right I north see. of me. I see. Uh, well, so you've already got some pretty tough fights you're fighting. Well, and there's there's a little bit more to that too. Is some of the people that jumped onto this recall. Um, are people that were angry at me for other reasons. I am very pro-gun for law-abiding citizens. So am I. I make no bones about it. I have a concealed weapons permit, but I've carried a gun for mm, 32 years. Um, I'm also a very strong conservative and constitutionalist, and everybody that knows me knows this. I also have a concealed permit, Francis. I I, I feel exactly as you do. I, I think even beyond the Constitution that we have a God-given right to protect ourselves against Absolutely. those who would do uh, lethal uh, force against us. We have the right to use the same kind of gun, uh, you know, same kind of weapon they're going to try to use against us. Well, and look at the cities that have total gun control. They're sure. the ones with the highest crime. So Absolutely. So you know that it doesn't work because the crooks know that they're sitting prey. Um, what, as a matter of interest, uh, and we will finally get to this UFO business, folks, but as a matter of interest, uh, what is the political wave right now in Arizona, Phoenix, specifically regarding 
gun control. Uh, are you on the wrong side of that argument uh, as far as a lot of people are concerned? Well, in some parts of the city, and, you know, it was another thing that the mayor and I were on different sides on, um, even though he is a Republican, um, he voted for the meltdown of guns and uh, stopping the police auctions. Well, the I, meltdown of guns. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's an unbelievable thing, and meltdown of guns and making works of art out of them. Works of art. So I said what they should do is make a big gun, you know. And <laughs> One great big gun out of lot little ones, huh? Yeah. So it, it's been, it, you know, it, it's kind of been a, just a, a total um, uh, opposite philosophy and ideology, and I think that's been part of the problem. But my area is, I would say, mostly conservative, but, you know, there's other areas that are not. Right. And uh, there's a lot of people that feel that, uh, you know, we need more laws and we need uh, government to protect us. And, you know, and I feel just the opposite. People need to take responsibility for their own actions. So, you know, it, it, I'm, I am not shy, and it, um, it causes me some grief from time to time, but I sleep well. I understand, uh, and that's, that's really what counts in the end. You've got to be able to sleep well, and... Um, I, I feel exactly the same way. I would describe myself as a fiscal conservative, politically somewhat of a mixture, uh, with an awful lot of libertarian thrown in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at, and that's what gets me in some trouble, too. Yeah, I understand. Um, so anyway, uh, what day in March was it that all of this began to uh, manifest itself over the Phoenix skies? Arizona, well, really. First of all, let me tell you that I did not see it, and I'm, I'm so upset with myself because I was in a meeting. But um, apparently it was, uh, it was on March 13th. It was a Thursday, and apparently it was uh, somewhere between 8.30 and 9.30. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw it when I got home. I, I got home about 20 minutes to 10, and at the 10 o'clock news, they had it on all of the news channels with, with the videos. With video, right. And, uh, you know, I looked at it and I go, wow, you know, incredible. I didn't realize at the time to compare it to what was on the ground under it uh, to, you know, realize how big it was, but that came later. Um, I had assumed at the time that there was an investigation going on because it was on all these news channels. And so I thought, gee, I wish I would have seen it, and that was that. It wasn't until two weeks ago um, from yesterday that I was on my way to policy session at uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, and we have, like, chambers across the street from City Hall. Sure. And uh, as I was walking over there with another council member, member, um, this TV crew from Extra jumped out and said, excuse me, but how come nobody from the city will talk to us? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, nobody will talk to us. And I said, what do you want to know? And she said, uh, well, you know, there were the lights that uh, were over Phoenix on March 13th, and right. everyone we've talked to said they don't want to talk about it, they're not investigated, and they're not investigating, and they're not interested. Hmm. And I said, well, I thought it was being investigated. And she said, no, it wasn't. And I said, well, I'll ask. So I went into policy session, <laughs> and that's our only televised session. And um, I, you know, sit down, and we get a little blip in the beginning of the session that we're allowed to ask any question on anything. All right, I want to hear exactly what you asked, but we're at the bottom of the hour, so hang tight, and we'll be back to you. Absolutely fascinating. Councilwoman uh, Frances Barwood from Phoenix is my guest. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. 
tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Good morning. And I would like to invite Phoenix to call. Those of you who saw the lights and know about this situation. All right, we are interviewing uh, Councilwoman Frances Barwood in Phoenix, and um, where we left off, she had gone into, I guess, a meeting, one in which uh, there is television coverage, and I guess each council person gets to make a short statement or something or another. You had just been confronted by extra cameras, and you said, I'll ask. So you went in there with television blazing away, and what did you say? Well, I I said uh, that I was stopped by a TV crew outside, and that they had asked about the lights that appeared over Phoenix on March 13th, and uh, apparently nobody is doing an investigation, so I would like to request that we do the investigation. Mm-hmm. And there was silence. Silence. And then uh, they said that they would look into it. Well, that was on a Tuesday. Um, by the next day, I was told that I should not have asked that question, uh, it was ridiculous, and then by some others that I opened Pandora's box. Who, uh, well, look, slow up, who, okay. who first told you, and again, I've got to ask you to get close to that phone. Okay, I'm sorry. There you are, <laughs> there you are, just stay close to it, Francis. I need to talk louder, okay. Um, project kind of like you were in the chambers without a mic. <laughs> okay. Um, who said it was a better, it was a question better not a- asked uh, another council person no, or no it was a staff member a staff member and um, it, it's because I, I ask questions that and I I've done things that get me in a lot of trouble from time to time but I think that they're the right me, things yeah me too and one of the things I did that they were very upset with me in the past was we had I don't know if you know about the flag exhibit that uh, went to the Phoenix Art Museum oh I do and I felt it was uh, degrading and it was in a city building and it was a taxpayer's expense and I felt it shouldn't be there and so I uh, opposed it very vocally and boy that, was that I was upset. that was the uh, the American flag uh, it was called Old Glory in which uh, people st- had to stand on it to uh, sign something yes. or another is and that right and they had uh, one flag made out of human skin and the guy wouldn't tell where he got the skin from and then they had uh, some obscene um, uh, things made out of flags, 
and it was just totally, it was definitely, to me, degrading our flag, and I have a hard problem with that. Well, I do too, Francis. Uh, although um, I, I, I feel two ways about it. One, it had it been on private property. Exactly. Um, I, I really don't support a constitutional amendment uh, to put people in jail for things they do to the flag because I suppose freedom is not freedom unless it's really free. Uh, but on the other hand, when it's done at the expense of the taxpayer, um, it, it's kind of like the uh, prayer in school argument, I, I, is it not? In other words, uh, public schools are one thing, and uh, the private sector is very much another. Well, I, I guess that that's where I differ a little bit. I, I feel that freedom of religion and separation of church and state means that the government is not going to interfere if we want to pray. And... So I, I feel a little bit different on that. And with the flag, you know, they kept saying, well, it's not a taxpayer's expense. and But it was totally because the funding came from three universities back east, which were all taxpayer funded. Right. And the building itself, it's owned by the city of Phoenix, which is the taxpayers on ground. Okay, but the point I was making is, for example, at Christmas, when there is um, uh, some sort of display on city grounds, um, they usually... Uh, order it removed because it is on public property. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? That is, is true. Isn't that how they go after it usually? That's true. And and yet with this, they felt that uh, this was perfectly justified. I felt it was um, an embarrassment to the city. Sure. Fortunately, I was the only one on the council that felt that way. And um, I, I got, find that incredible. Well, I got beaten up pretty good about that one, but you know, and they did cartoons in the paper and all that. But I still, I, I did know, Benson do a cartoon on you? Uh, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, well, we share that in common. Then I've been I've been down the Benson Road a few times myself. <laughs> but I I don't have a problem with that because I you know that's what I believe in and I feel you know that I was right and that's that. Uh, the other thing was there is uh, we have a National Memorial Veterans Cemetery here. And uh, some developers tried to put a road right through the middle of it. And kind of underhandedly, they went and uh, did a, a court suit. They didn't put in the fact that that was a cemetery there. And they brought the plans from 1965. And the judge gave them the right to put this road through this what looked like state land, but it wasn't. It was our National Veterans Memorial Cemetery. So another woman and I went out there and... Uh, blocked the bulldozers, and um, uh, I, I, you know the veterans were definitely great. I mean, they came out there in mass. Unfortunately, the city was very upset with me, but mm -hmm. the city was the one that gave them the permit to go through there, and they sh they knew. I mean, they knew that that was a cemetery. Well, some of those people from this development group have joined on this recall also. So it's it's been kind of real interesting. I'm beginning to get the picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, in other words, this recall may be about a, a whole lot more than what you originally stated. In other words, you may be a total thorn in their side. It and was a vehicle for them to use. Yeah. And uh, the recall was on hold because um, I am not running for another term, and my term will end in end of December. What are you going to do? Well, um, I'm either going to be a real person again, or I may go for one other office, but then that's it. Um, but uh, it was on hold because it was kind of you know ridiculous to have a recall being that there was going to be a regular election and sure. I wasn't running anyway. Sure. Until the Monday after I 
asked the question, and it had appeared in the paper on that Saturday. All right. Has your experience uh, with politics, Francis, made you made you cynical? Um, it's made me aware that uh, you know I've got a sign in my kitchen that says. Uh, I love my country, but I fear my government. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, government has gotten too much power, and people are too afraid of things. I mean, I have been warned by so many people, like, just watch your back. And one pilot said to me, watch your six. Well, I didn't know what a six was until another pilot explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's really sad to feel that way because... The people are supposed to be the bosses, and somewhere along the line it has totally reversed, but it's reversed all the way to where the city is supposed to be the main power, the the state, the secondary, and the federal, the third, and the people are over all of that, and it's totally reversed where the federal government is you know, on top of everything and total power and over everybody else, and it's just... Francis, I've been warned a million times, too. Uh, don't talk about this or don't talk about this. Uh, don't open this up or uh, you're going to be history. And I've ceased caring. You know, me I'm, too. I figure, you know, you, you just, uh, to me, life is a learning experience. And if you're going to be afraid of everything, I mean, I've been shot at at my front door. Not, not because of this. This happened, you know, back a ways. Um, I've had my tires spiked. I've had uh, Doug crap thrown all over my driveway i've i've been i've had so many death threats that it's you know gets to be yeah i've got a nice big file too yeah and the thing is is that you can't go crawl in a corner and and you can't and life goes on that's right all right so you went in and you requested they investigate Mm -hmm. uh publicly (laughs) you requested that they investigate uh, what occurred in phoenix and uh you got a deathly silence i guess and you got people saying you shouldn't be uh, bringing this subject up, and then what? Well, uh, you know, little odds and ends, little snickers and stuff like that, which I, you know, that I understand that, but, you know, it, it came out that I asked about UFOs, and I never, ever said that. What I said was mm-hmm. uh, there were these lights that were over Phoenix and traveling very yes. slow, and, right. you know, they're not investigating. We should, we should look into it. Now, I would think, um, you know, being the city, that at least there would be some concern as to if, okay, if this was an airplane and it was, you know, in our airspace, um, overpopulated area where it shouldn't be, something's wrong here, we have to look into it. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, did they look into it? What did, uh, what did the Air Force Base say? They said, uh, is, is the article correct? They said, we just don't know anything about it, we're not investigating, or what? That's true. They they issued a press release and said it wasn't anything we had anything to do with, and we're not investigating. And, um, uh, you know, every mm. um, department that they called to find out, the news media called to find out, you know, it was the same thing, and, and including the city of Phoenix, but I didn't know that at the time. And um, I just couldn't understand it because I'm kind of... Ooh, inquisitive by nature well i don't understand it now uh the air force had something called project blue book that looked into uh ufos uh many many years ago and the conclusion uh was that yes there were a percentage of sightings that simply could not be explained but according to the air force they did not uh, whatever they were represent a threat to national security and i have a very hard time with that one um 
if something is above our airspace, and in this case above your city, and it's massive, and it doesn't represent a threat to national security, then what does? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, how do they know? Uh, exactly. What does represent a threat to national security? I mean, I thought the whole idea of the Air Force uh, was to control, maintain control of our airspace. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I'm missing something <laughs> here. Uh, and what I may be missing is that this craft, or this whatever it was, uh, might have been ours. It could have been. Uh, from all the, when the article appeared in the paper um, a week ago Saturday, I wasn't even up yet when I started getting phone calls. And people started calling me from all over the state, uh, to the north all the way from Prescott and Prescott Valley, and to the west um, and to the east, and it went from Kingman to Mesa all the way down oh, yes. to... Uh, I, listen, I want to tell you, I had gazillions of faxes and emails and phone calls, mm -hmm. and in this article it says, quoting, but the report from the city of Phoenix says, staff, says there were fewer than five contacts uh, to the police department, uh, and so whether reporting uh, or even asking about the mysterious lights. Five calls, Francis? I can only go by what the report says, and I would think that because of the description of this, that people were more, they called the, the TV stations, and I think they were more curious as to what it was than afraid, because, um, well, let me tell you what people described to me. Sure. And, and this is real interesting. All these people hadn't talked because I asked them if they talked to Sky Watchers or MUFON or the U.S. Uh, the UFO Reporting Center. They had not, and some of them did towards the end. But the, the first ones that called me did not, and they said they didn't tell anybody because they were, you know, thought that people would think they were crazy. And they all said the same thing. It had three to seven lights. One person said maybe nine. They were amber or white. Um, it was a triangle or boomerang shape. Mm -hmm. It was extremely enormous. They said somewhere the size of a football field up to one mile. It was at about 1,000 to 5,000 feet elevation, altitude. But they all said the same thing, absolutely no noise. And man that called me from Prescott Valley was outside with some friends, and he said that the way they noticed this thing was it had no lights on it. They were all off. Um, they noticed because it's it's a higher altitude up there, and it blocked out the stars. And he said it was so huge that they just kept watching it, and it moved so slow and no noise. He said we couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. All right, now that conflicts with a little bit of what I've heard. Uh, I heard the initial explanation was these were military flares. Okay, now, there's something else that went on at that night. And that's where a lot of people, I think, got a little confused. Um, there were lights in a place that we call South Mountain or Estrella, one of those two. Um, some people feel that those were flares. But that was late, much later at night okay. and had nothing to do with this as far as we can tell. Flares do not block out the stars. No, no. And there were so many people that 
actually caught sight of a shape that, you know, there's no doubt to me because of all the phone calls that this was something, to me it was a huge stealth bomber from what they described. But they, the pilots that called me in the ex-military um, and one very prominent person in Phoenix, um, they all said the same thing, was that when they first saw it, they thought that it was a plane formation coming. Right. And as it got closer, they realized that these lights were on one object. They didn't move separate from each other. They were fixed. Mm-hmm. And as it got closer yet, I mean, this one guy said, I was a pilot for 27 years, and he said, I have never in my entire life seen anything as huge as this. So I said, how big would you say it was? And he said, I would say close to a mile. A mile. That's, uh, that sounds like something from Independence Day almost, doesn't it? Well, and, and okay, now I had to tell you, I was at a meeting where this guy was totally panicked. And he said, this is really scary, this is awful, this is like... And I said, listen, if by some chance it did come from somewhere else, and they have the power to get all the way to here, and I'm afraid to fly, so, you know... Um, <laughs> and, and they got here, and they flew over a populated area, and they were so obvious... So that, you know, we actually saw them, except I didn't, but, you know, that people actually saw them. They could have wiped us out in a shot, and they didn't, so they can't be dangerous. And he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's kind of my philosophy. So um, I am real curious, and I think if it was something that wanted, you know, to do harm. Well, they, they would have done it. They would have done it. They would have done it. But uh, still, the quest for knowledge uh, alone seems to be getting you in trouble. I mean, even to ask, and and I will agree with you also on this, you never said UFO, no. you never said spaceship, but I noticed that the um, the Arizona Republic um, headlines it, a city probe of UFOs is grounded, staff tells Councilwoman Phoenix can't investigate UFO sightings. UFO is plastered all over the article. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's, you know, the old um, how-do-we-sell-newspapers type thing. And, you know, I wish that, first of all, the Republic did not even cover it until five days after. And, I mean, it was all on all the TV shows. Yeah, that's another good question. What A lot of people in Phoenix called me and asked about that. Yeah, that I, I still don't understand to this day. But um, Maybe they were waiting for Benson to finish his cartoon. I guess. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's... It's real curious to me. It's just real curious. I, I figure, hey, why not? Let's look at the whole darn thing and, you know, do process of elimination. And if it is, a, you know, some military thing, well, then the military should say, hey, listen, it was one of ours. We're doing some secret stuff. And I'd say, okay. Um, in my whole life, Francis, I've only seen one thing. It was, guess what, a triangle several years ago now, uh, about 150 feet above me, totally noiseless. My wife saw it with me. We watched it pass above our heads and float across the valley. Not fly, float. This thing was doing about 30 miles an hour. That's what Uh, they say with this. Oh, really? Very slow. Very slow and utterly quiet. I mean, out here where I am, you can hear crickets at a quarter mile, and I could hear them as this thing came directly over our head. No known propulsion system uh, that I'm aware of can do that. Francis, I want you to hold on because I want to take some calls from Phoenix, all right? So stay right there, and we'll do a little more after the top of the hour. Uh, My guest is a Phoenix councilwoman named Francis Barwood, 
who appears to be in some trouble for just asking questions about what happened over Phoenix. If you are one of the five people, <laughs> you can put that one in quotes, who saw this object, um, I would very much appreciate a call from you at about this point, and we'll get you on the air after the top of the hour. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired May 21st, 1997. My guest is Phoenix Councilwoman Frances Barwood. She had uh, the guts to ask a few questions that seemed to have her in all kinds of trouble. Aside from what other political troubles may be looming on the horizon, she dared to ask about the lights, the massive, massive lights that appeared over the city of Phoenix. It's a big city, folks. A couple million people in the Phoenix area. And so we're talking with her, and there's more to the story. Stand by. Once again, I've got the lines open specifically for Phoenix. If you saw the lights, if you know about the story, uh, then we would encourage you to participate. We're going to be getting to the phones in just a moment. Now, uh, once again, back to Frances Barwood, a council lady, a councilwoman, I guess, for uh, the city of Phoenix for at least a while longer, huh? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, you mentioned to me before the program something about air traffic controllers. Um, I had heard that there was no radar um, acquisition of these at, at, at all. Um, what do you know about that? That's true, and uh, when Extra did its follow-up story on our Channel 12 out here, uh, they had the two flight controllers that were on duty that night, and they asked them, you know, if they picked up anything on radar, and they said, no, absolutely nothing, but they saw it visually. They saw it, but they picked up nothing on radar. Right. And, I mean, they... We're talking about the actual controllers here. The, the guys. I mean, they were on extra. And uh, I was really surprised because I did not know that they had interviewed them. So it was like, wow, you know. But there were people who lived down past the airport, one man in particular. He said he was he was going to go to bed. It was 8.30. Um, went to turn off the TV. And he looked out his window and he saw what he thought was a big jumbo jet going to crash. Uh-huh. He grabbed his wife and, and 
said, let's get out of here. And they went outside, and he said it leveled off, and it kept coming. And it kept getting, you know, as it got closer, bigger and bigger and bigger. He said it was absolutely humongous, and it went over him, and he said absolutely no noise. Okay. This is not like uh, some poor little fellow out in the middle of the desert where I am here uh, having some sort of encounter that he cannot explain. That happens all the time. It's one person. But here we're talking about uh, a city. What is the rough population of Phoenix? Around 2 million in the area, isn't it? It's, it's actually about 1.4. 1.4 million the valley, people. The valley itself, which is the small city surrounding us, is, is a little over 2 million. There you are. So it was seen in that general area, wasn't it? Uh, in other words, it could have been seen if two million people had been out looking up at the sky. Mm-hmm. Two million people could have seen it. Right. Uh, so we're not talking about some little trivial incident here, which surprises me uh, with regard to their um, uh, their attitude. Now, I've got to ask you this, Francis. Do you think that... They know more than they're telling. In other words, that the Air Force came to uh, perhaps the mayor uh, or somebody at that level and said, look, um, it's something we were doing. Uh, we can't talk about it. We don't want publicity about it, uh, which might account for, uh, for the um, Arizona Republic's um, halting reporting, delayed reporting. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, you know, stabbing in the dark here. It's such a large incident over such a big city that, the response is a little puzzling. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, people's imaginations go wild when you don't tell them anything. Yes, and of course. I, I think that, you know, people being fairly sensible most of the time, if the military would say, hey, listen, we were doing something, really sorry, um, you know, but quite the opposite. They issued a press release saying, it wasn't us, we didn't do it, and we're not going to investigate. Okay, so, no, but again, going back to my question, do you think it's possible that, the, in other words, do you, um, behind the scenes, have the feeling the mayor might know more than he's saying about this, for example? I, I honestly don't know, and I, I didn't see any clue to that, so I, I really don't know. Okay. Let's talk to a, a few people, at least five, in Phoenix. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Francis uh, Barwood. Hello? How you doing, sir? All right. Where are you? I'm in Phoenix. All right. Yeah. I was at a Clovernook um, putt-putt with my little two-year-old son when we saw it. And what did you see? We saw huge lights, huge lights. It wasn't just me. Probably about 60 other people were there. Saw it. Everybody just looked up. 60 other people? Yeah, about 60. They were at the putt-putt. It's putt-putt driving range as well. Uh-huh. So, in other words, you were outside. Yeah. Obviously, you would see such things. Oh, yeah. And how big would you say it was? Uh, it was quite a ways from us, but uh, if I had to guess... Uh, <laughs> uh, actually... Put it, put it this way, it scared the heck out of us. Actually, guess at two things. How high in the sky did it seem, if you had to guess about that? I'd guess probably about um, about 3,000 feet up in the air. 3,000 feet? Yeah, from where we were. And, um, you know, you know, this stuff has it's just been weird here. And uh, it's about time somebody in government, I guess, uh, you know, talks about something, at least, you know, poses a question to some of the powers that be. Because um, this is obviously something that's really happening, and I don't think it's a military if it was the military, 
Well, then the least they could do is say so. It's yeah, a classified it project. Yes, it was us. Exactly. I mean, that would be the reasonable thing to do instead of being, you know, evasive. Like, well, they aren't even being evasive. I said they, it wasn't, wasn't them at all. Even that's puzzling because you would think if the military was doing it, uh, that they would, uh, they would not do it directly over the city of Phoenix, of all places. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a barren uh, land uh, for them to do that kind of thing in. Certainly. It's just, uh, all I can say is we're, everybody here is, um, that I know is uh, kind of like in denial. We really don't want to believe it, but it's scaring the heck out of us if it's, you know, if it's a UFO, and they might, you know, explain some of the uh, denial. People don't want to believe in that kind of stuff. Anyway, could I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Yes. Go ahead. Um, could Could I ask you? My My phone number is in the phone book. Could you give me a call? Sure. And um, I'd I'd really like to kind of hear everything that you saw. Okay. Really? I'm uh, keeping track of everybody. Are you? Certainly. All right, uh, caller. Thank you, and thank you for the uh, uh, the support. So, you really want to hear from people who saw this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're going to get a lot of calls, Francis. I have gotten a lot of calls, but that's okay because I I really feel that for one thing, people are relieved to talk about it, and it's it's kind of they've they've been afraid to say anything to anybody. And I would say most of my calls, when they call, they say, you know, we didn't say anything to anybody because we're just so afraid that somebody would laugh at us and think we're crazy. Uh -huh. So just by talking about it, that's one thing. But you know, it helps to get everybody where they were at the time and uh, the angle they saw it at and uh, the the group um, Skywatchers is doing um, like kind of a big map where they're marking all where the people were and where they saw it and you, you should know you're not alone Francis uh, there's a congressman uh, named Schiff in uh, New Mexico uh -huh. who has run into some brick walls uh, trying to ask questions about what occurred at Roswell. Uh, so many brick walls that, you know, he was just doing a casual a request for information, and the brick wall was so hard and so thick that he became suspicious and began digging deeper. And lo and behold, the records of the time in question, unfortunately, were destroyed. Hmm. Uh, in, in, in total, um, it was an amazing story. So you're not the only one, but you are a very brave one because not too many people in government at any level are willing to even open their mouths and ask a question like this. Well, you know, I don't consider myself brave because it's, to me it's kind of that's the way it should be. But um, I'm also a Christian, and somebody said, well, how can you, you know, even think that this could be from somewhere else? And I said, well, I didn't say that, but... You know, people are the only ones that limit God to earth. He's supposed to be the God of the universe. Here, here. And if, you know, he could put us here, why couldn't he put some people other places? And so, you know, while I've never seen anything and I'm totally skeptical, I do want to see something. I I feel, you know, it's let's just keep an open mind and look at everything. I share that view. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Councilwoman Frances Barwood. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi. Hi. Uh, Come to Mesa, Francis, so I'll vote for mayor for you over there. <laughs> You're in Mesa, huh? Right. I uh, I saw the lights, and at the time, I didn't think anything of them much. It wasn't seven, ten days later when I saw something on the news, a clip, talking about it. And I thought, well, that must have been those lights I saw. And uh, But at the time, I didn't think anything about it. The only unusual thing was uh, I didn't hear any noise. What I thought it was, I'd stepped outside in the backyard, 
to uh, check out Hell Bot for the last one of the last times because it was starting to fade away at that time. In Northwest Sky, where I was looking for the comet, I saw the lights about five to seven, and at the time it appeared to me as National Guard copters, which usually fly on the weekends, which we see all the time in a formation. So that's what I thought it was. The unusual thing for me was that it was at night, which I usually don't see them at night, and there was no noise at all. But it wasn't odd enough for me to even tell anybody about it. Let me ask you this, Connor. Yeah. Um, are you surprised by the city's um, lack of reaction or muted uh, reaction to uh, Councilwoman Barwood's request for some sort of investigation? Uh, I am surprised about that. And the only other thing that concerns me is what, with the direction I saw it, which took it directly over Sky Harbor from my vantage point. And I would think radar would have seen something on their screens. That's the unusual thing that kind of... Well, now, let's think about that for a second. Uh, the United States has now craft that it flies that are not detectable by conventional radar. Right. If we have that, uh, then it's it's equally possible that it was ours or somebody else's, but you've got to imagine somebody who could get here would, would have, it at the very least, the ability not to be noticed on radar if they wished it to be so. Right. I mean, if we can have that technology, they can, right? Well, that's true, but I, I would think... I, I, I'm thinking it's probably some, you know, something of ours, but I don't know why the government or whoever wouldn't come out and just say, yeah, it's, you know, it's secret or... We're not going to talk about it instead of just, you know, playing, old, playing dumb about it. And they were being kind of obvious. Right. That seems strange. But I watched it for a good five minutes, fly clear to the north and directly straight line to the south towards Tucson until it went out of the horizon. But right. I wish I would have thought I'd grab my video camera, you know, I, <laughs> but I didn't even think, you know, didn't even... Well, apparently lots of people, or at least enough people, um, did grab video cameras, and uh, there's plenty of footage uh, circulating around. Although, I must say, after the initial running of the footage, it's like you didn't see it again. And this is one of the more massive sightings anywhere in a long time, and suddenly the, the footage kind of disappeared uh, from the radar scopes, no pun intended. Yeah, and I never saw any of the video myself to compare to what I saw. I wish I could have seen some of it. Mm -hmm. uh, contact Frances Barwood. She needs the support. I'll do it. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. And you're actually in the uh, in the phone book in uh, Phoenix, Frances? Yes, I am. <laughs> That's brave, too. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Frances Barwood. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi, Hi. Frances. Hi there. Um, I'm one of the guilty ones that hasn't uh, reported what I saw yet. Um... Where are you? Uh, I'm in Phoenix. In Phoenix, all right. All right, this is Scott in Phoenix. Yes, sir. Uh, Glendale, actually. Uh, I have a pretty dark dark neighborhood. I live in the uh, Union Hills 35th Avenue area, which Francis would be familiar with. Yes. Um, getting ready to watch a Suns game that night. Suns were doing better. 8.30 right on the nose, and my wife is talking on the phone in the backyard. She says, come out and look at this. What is this? And I look at it, and it's a V-shaped formation of light. Um, about six, I think, is what I saw. Mm -hmm. uh, two were very close together, right at the very nose of the triangle. And I, I was baffled. It looked huge. And I, I stand outside quite often and watch the air traffic go back and forth. I know what's going to Sky Harbor and what's going to the military bases. 
That's why she usually asked me, gee, this is something I haven't seen. What is it? And I would usually explain, and this time it was, I don't know what that is. Uh, can, you, can you estimate altitude and size? Uh, I'm not very good at that, but it was, you know, a thousand feet or more. It, it, the lights weren't that bright. So I had, I had had my binoculars handy. I was watching Hale-Bopp earlier also and grabbed the binoculars. And not only my wife, but my 13-year-old son was outside, and we're all watching this. Huh. I have the binoculars, and I'm trying to find a craft in between the lights. And I, I can't see any metal. I can't see anything there, just the same color as the background. Uh, I can't say that I could see stars through it or we're moving, for one thing. Was so the sir, sir. moving through the sky trying to look at something. Sir, was the sky clear enough that you should have been able to see stars? Oh, it, yes, it was very clear. And in March, uh, 830, was, it was dark enough to see plenty of stars. But uh, I, I can't recall seeing any stars through it. But as I was following it through the path, I couldn't see any craft. There was no metal or anything there. And I handed the binoculars to my 13-year-old son, and I said, you look at that. Can you see anything? And he looked at it, and the same thing. He couldn't see anything in between the lights. And it came from the northwest, mm -hmm. uh, floated pretty much right over our house, made no sound whatsoever. And I hear all the craft that go over the house. I can, you know, eventually you'll hear a sound. This was completely quiet and just looked like it was heading right through the middle of Phoenix, right down towards Sky Harbor. That's exactly the route. Um, so you have not reported this. You didn't get on the phone and call? Uh... No, I, I, you know, I just thought, well, this is something kind of strange. And I did hear your show that night with Peter Davenport. Right. And that's when I went, wow, this obviously was really something strange. Yes. Um and followed it a little bit. I, I do have to give the Arizona Republic credit because when they did have an article four or five days later, they pretty much just told the facts. They didn't fill it with a bunch of the flare thing right. or anything like that. Right. The flare story seemed to uh, flare up and then quickly, <laughs> quickly die off. Yeah, I think it started the next day because of the video. The only video they had, these things were stationary. And somebody said, well, the only thing that we know that can do that are the military flares that have the parachutes. They seem to tend to hold their position for a while and then disappear. So, but that was just making an explanation for the video that really has nothing to do with the fact that this thing floated for miles and miles. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the city's reaction? Now, I read the... Um uh, uh, the uh, the piece by um, the Republic on the air, uh -huh. and the city's reaction seems to be, we don't want to investigate anything like that. Um, it uh, it seems to be nervous. It seems to be a nervous reaction. The only thing I've heard from the mayor, uh, any quote that I, it, it may not even be a real quote, but it seems that he said there are no UFOs over Phoenix, but, uh -huh. and that's where the terminology of UFO gets confused. People forget it. It doesn't mean it's something from outer space. It's just we don't know what it is. In other words, exactly. we don't want any of those things over our city. We don't want to talk about well, it. Well, I'm a little nervous about it being over the city if they don't know what it is. And obviously, nobody seems to want to check it out or even talk about it. 
Now, who, who in this case would be our protectors? You would imagine it would be Luke Air Force Base, wouldn't you? Exactly. Uh huh. But and they, I don't, they seem to be asleep that night. and <laughs> They don't want to investigate uh, any of those things either. There was another really strange thing that I thought that happened in my neck of the woods here, and that was about a half an hour after the thing floated by, uh, just an enormous amount of helicopter activity up, up here. They were flying north from my house and seemed to be landing someplace, and one flew right over my house and almost stopped. Military, sir? Military or civilian? I have no idea. It was, by that time, it was about 9 o'clock at night, and all I could see were lights. Or, well, you know, listen, you two should contact Frances Barwood. She's oh, a... I definitely will. I, I've, I've held off long enough. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, caller. Frances, hold on. We'll be right back. Frances Barwood. A Phoenix City Councilwoman uh, who dared to speak up about what's going on in her skies is my guest for the moment. If you're in Phoenix, please give us a call. I'm Art Bell. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Somewhere in time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. My guest is Phoenix Councilwoman Frances Barwood, who had the nerve uh, to simply ask that this massive, massive whatever in the hell it was above Phoenix be investigated. And she more or less hit a political brick wall. Are you surprised? <laughs> we're sort of holding our lines open as we're able for Phoenix people to call in. Uh, so if you saw it, if you're in Phoenix, please pick one of the uh, any of the numbers that you're able to get through on and give us a call. We'll get back to Francis Barwood for another 30 minutes in a moment. All right, back now to Councilwoman Francis Barwood, Councilwoman uh, for... The city of Phoenix, um, and I'm curious, uh, Francis, how how's the rest of the media, other than the um, uh, the the uh, Republic, treated you? I mean, have you done radio interviews? Have you talked to people? What's the deal? 
Um, I've done a few. Uh, when anybody asks me, I, I'll talk to anybody. So it's kind of, um, it's been interesting. Um, when I'm not on a show, I, I got blasted. Um, our attorney general seems to um, enjoy poking fun, and he has a talk show on Friday afternoons. And he really blasted me. His name is Grant Woods, and he gives out what he calls woodies mm-hmm. um, to whatever he feels um you know, like he feels like making fun of, and I was nominated by him, and it was uh, interesting. Um, it's such an easy, cheap shot to make. Uh, I take them all the time, but I, I think, Francis, um, that, for example, Gallup polls taken recently show that the greater uh, percentage of the American public happens to be on your side. Now, you're being very conservative in the way you're approaching this request for an investigation, and I'm, I must tell you, and uh, whatever his name is, um, should uh, take this into consideration, that more Americans than not believe something real is going on, and they're not chuckling, and it's showing up in every Gallup poll. Uh, so, you know, some of your colleagues, perhaps, would be wise to read the polls, which politicians normally do, uh, before acting in opening mouth and engaging, you know. Well, I don't read the polls, so I guess <laughs> I'm kind of guilty of that myself. Well, they should, uh, because it may be that a lot of people in Phoenix and around the country simply uh, don't agree with that kind of chuckle dismissal. Mm-hmm. That's what I call it. First time caller line, you are on the air with Francis Barwood. Hi. Hi, how you doing? All right, where are you, sir? Uh, I'm in Phoenix. My All name right. is Kurt. Yes, Kurt. Yeah, and um, I just uh, was absolutely ecstatic art to uh, hear this discussion tonight because I uh, saw th- this uh, thing in the sky, and my first impression was was this was something totally unnatural. And when I say unnatural, <clears throat> unnatural in the sense that it did not appear to be um, hovering helicopters or flares or airplanes or anything of that sort in my I was driving in my car at the time, and my impression was was that these lights are stationary. They're not moving in any direction, and they're equidistance apart. And my first impression was is this is indeed what might be classified as a, a UFO. Sure. Uh, because I was in my car and I was headed somewhere else, I uh, did not have a chance to observe it very long. And then I kind of, you know, I didn't watch TV that night or anything. And then I heard on your show a few weeks ago your discussion with another gentleman. And I did not know that, that the... Uh, Peter Davenport, probably. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that there had been coverage on TV or anything of that sort. And what I actually saw was just uh, a stationary five lights. And they were equal, you know, what I'm saying equal distance, I mean they were not moving. They were not like hovering helicopters that might tend to move sideways, up and down, or whatever. Nor were they flares slowly descending. Absolutely not. And where I've seen in the sky moving airplanes, uh, things of that sort, where they change position in a matter of seconds, uh, this just appeared to be five stationary lights moving either upward, downward, sideways, not changing a relative position. And that was exactly my first thought was, was that... Uh, okay, well, this is a major sighting. Does it bother you that the mayor of your city 
uh, and the Air Force Base adjacent to where you live don't seem to uh, be interested? Well, my, my feeling on the whole thing was, was astonishment because I really did not hear any hubbub about it the next day. My, work, my colleagues at work had not heard about it, and then I brought it to their attention after I heard your, your conversation with uh, Mr. Davenport, and no one at work had heard about this. And then all of a sudden, and I recently wrote my father a, a letter, and I told him, I said, it really bugs me that I just did not drive directly towards those lights to find out what the hell they were. Mm-hmm. Because I was actually too far south of the lights. They were not immediately above me. Well, do us all a favor and contact Frances Barwood. She's in the Phoenix directory. I'd be delighted to. Uh, she can use the support. Um, uh, it really it does take a lot a lot to come forward on something like this. Let me ask you this, Francis. If you had a chance to go back and keep your mouth shut now and not say anything, would you or would you have, would you do, again, the same thing? I'd do the same thing. Um, one of the other things that I asked about that got me in a lot of trouble, too, was when I first discovered that they had those metallic strips and dollars, yes. and money. Oh, yes. And, uh, I mean, I was astounded. And a constituent asked me, what they were there for. Mm-hmm. And I said, I honestly don't know. Well, some people said it was so, you know, they can be detected if you have money on you and things like that. And I thought, well, this is really strange. So I asked that question at policy session once. And, you know, boy, did I, you know, I mean, talk about jokes. Really? Yeah. I mean, they called me paranoid. And, and uh, the spokesperson for the mayor said that, you know, I see conspiracies everywhere and I, I, I wonder where the water went when it goes down the drain. And, you know, he can be really sarcastic. But, uh, you know, it, it's. I really feel that, you know, why don't people ask more questions? Uh, I don't know. We used to. I know. We used to. Well, we've lost the art of conversation. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I hope pun intended. Wildcard line. Uh, <laughs> I thought you catch you're, you're on the air with Francis Barwood in Phoenix. Hello. Hello. Where are you, sir? Uh, Glendale. Glendale, all right. Yeah, I just had a quick question. Well, several of them. Okay, uh, I didn't happen to see the lights. My brother did. He lives up there off Cave Creek in Beardsley. Mm-hmm. But uh, my question for uh, the young lady there is, as far as uh, the mayor Skip there went, where was he for the grand opening for that factory up there near her? And number two, uh, I understand I've heard on the radio lately that the police officers are starting to remove these license plate covers people are placing on their vehicles to, uh, I don't know, help them with the photo radar. And that's basically my two questions, and I'll get off the air and listen. All right. I, I don't know about either one of those, so. Okay, well, it was it was the controversial zoning case that they're doing the recall about. Yes. And they had their major grand opening, and we're talking major grand opening. And uh, because it was so controversial, uh, the mayor chose not to go. Not to go? You mean after he was the only fellow who actually knew about all this and he didn't go? Right. And so I did the grand opening welcome speech, and they said, yeah, aren't you afraid to, you know, be there? And I felt it would have been an insult not to go. So I really enjoyed myself. All right, good. What about this license plate business? Do you know anything about that? Um, very little. Uh, some of our surrounding cities have a law of the, um, uh, uh, what do you call photo radar. And they have a law, or they say they have a law. Nobody's proved it yet. 
but that you can't get these little covers to go over your license plate so that the photo radar cannot read your license plate. Right. And so what's happening is some police officers are stopping people and confiscating the covers. Wow. So it's it's been a little hostile out there. I mean, a little hostile. I, I am totally opposed to photo radar, by the way. So. All right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Councilwoman Frances Barwood. Hi. Hi. Where are you, sir? In Cottonwood, Arizona. All right. And just Monday night. Well, I didn't see the ones in Prescott because they were way west of me, but Monday night, uh, out on the porch, you could see four, uh, well, actually, we could see three. Uh, above the horizon, orangish, yellowish globes, balls, uh, just kind of sitting there hovering. And as we watched, just two or three minutes later, one came up from ground level, of course, there was trees out there, so I could see it through the trees, and I could see it coming up. And uh, it came up and kind of joined the others, and one of them floated off to the left a little ways and then came back, and they all started moving away from us. But we could, we stood there and watched them for a good five, ten minutes. Well, uh, it was really kind of neat. There you are. Uh, Francis, let me tell you uh, what seems to be going on, and uh, this is verified with a number of investigators, MUFON people, Peter Davenport at the UFO Reporting Center. Uh, in Mexico, Francis, I, I don't know how much you're up on all of this. I'm getting to be. <laughs> getting to be, I bet. In Mexico City, uh, these sightings of the exact same kind of thing we're talking about here are so common that the people have almost come to expect it and not be surprised mm -hmm. uh, by what they're seeing. Literally that common. And now in the Southwest, specifically in your area, they're becoming almost that common as well. And I wish I would see something. Yeah, well, <laughs> I always felt the same way until I finally did, Francis. And when I did, it uh, literally changed my life. On the wild card line, you're on the air with Francis Barwood. Hi. Hi, how you doing? All right, turn your radio off, please. Okay. This is John in Phoenix. Hi, John. Hey. Yeah, we saw some crazy stuff. We saw the same thing. It was pretty crazy, man. Well, this is amazing. We've already heard from more than five, at least five people. Uh, <laughs> how many of you saw it? It was me and four of my friends. We were we were having this keg party out of my friend Rob's house. And he said, look, dude. He said, look up at the sky. And he looked up there, and it was just... It's like one of the most... It, 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 it kind of looked at first like a formation of some planes. So people have said... Yeah, and it, and it was just like, oh man, that's just a bunch of planes. But but Rob was saying, like, but dude, making no sound. It's like you know when you hear jets passing overhead. We know what jets it. sound like, yes. Yeah, you can hear it, and it's like there there was absolutely no sound, and it was bizarre. But it's just like one of those things to where you're always like, no man, it's. Can't can't be. You're you're sort of in denial about it. Yeah, it's just like it. Just, well, do you think it is reasonable that people ask questions about what's above your city? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing the thing about it is is I just can't believe that 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 the media and the air force and everybody is in total denial about it. Exactly. It's always like they're always trying to cover something up, and it's always in the same area, and it's all it's always like someone's like, hey. You know, oh, nothing happened. Everything will be cool. Everybody be be like they're trying to keep the public. In yeah, the don't ask questions. Relax. Uh, everything will be all right. That kind of thing. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Francis Barwood. Hello. 
Hello. Hi, where are you? New Orleans, Louisiana. Hello, Mr. Barwood. Hello, Mr. Uh, Bell. Hi there. Hi. I've been listening to your program, and uh, from what I gather from the information so far, I've heard that the military uh, says that this, these sightings are nothing to be worried about, that apparently there's... Uh, that there's that there's no trouble with these sightings. And well, they say no no national security threat. Basically, right, exactly. they say don't worry, be happy. Well, if that's the case, could this be a display of uh, some military vehicle of our own design and not necessarily from another planet? Of sure course, it could be. Sure, and it could if be. so, uh, what? How does? How do, would this affect the civilian population and its idea of freedoms or what have you in this country to have such firepower flying above our skies, especially what above is, our major cities? Correct. Um, I think that's a damn good question, uh, and maybe that is the answer, Francis. Uh, but then the the next question that is provoked is, uh, if we do have something like that, and we may, then why in heaven's name? fly it directly above a major population center. That makes zero sense to me. That's the puzzling part, is that it obviously was trying to be extremely obvious because of the path it took. It never deviated away from heavy populated areas. Now, well, if I could, I'd like to read you just two sentences from the report that was given. Yes, go ahead. It says, uh, the Federal Aviation Administration, which operates the control tower at Sky Harbor International Airport, did not report any unusual activity, even though those two guys did. Since the city does not have the resources or expertise to investigate the source of lights, such as those that were reported, we depend on the United States Air Force to investigate all such matters. Fair enough. But they didn't ask them to do it. So I am going to. You are going to ask the Air Force? Yes. Uh, how are you going to do that, Francis? You are a senator. We, we have a senator who's... I was sort of interested in this, and I'm going to call him and, and ask, you know, if he could ask the Air Force to investigate this. I was hoping that the city would initiate that, as because I mean I'm just a council person. Sure. Um, I don't have any particular power, you know. I'm just one of nine votes. Um, it, I would have hoped that they would have said, well, we are we're asking the Air Force to check into this, but they didn't. Not even that. Not even that. Um, and that's just, it's, it's such a puzzle to me, Francis. Truly, it is. Um, and again, I go back to this. If it's not a threat business, then what have we got the Air Force for? If they're not supposed to, if something uh, that large is hovering over a major population center and they don't even go to check it out, then what good are they? Well, and, you know, I wish they'd have a little more faith in, in human beings. Um, you know, if they're... If it is something that they are doing and they tell us, hey, we're doing it, fine, that's it. If it's something from somewhere else and they say, you know, this is something from somewhere else, you know, people would be, some people would be a little upset, but, you know, eventually they find it out anyway. And so, you know, why, why hide things? I agree with you. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Francis Barwood. Hello. Hi, Art. <clears throat> this is, uh, Phyllis calling from Bellingham, Washington. Hello, Phyllis. Hi. I wanted to uh, tell you, since you're talking about this uh, light formation, that about 21 years ago, in August, I think it was of 76, uh, over Bellingham Bay, I saw nine tiny white lights in a V formation uh, pointed toward Bellingham, which would be due southeast. And uh, 
I went out on my balcony and looked at them, and they were silent. They were disconnected, and they were about 1,200 feet from where did I any, am. Did anybody in the city of Bellingham uh, raise any questions or ask for an investigation? Never heard a word. Nary a word, huh? No, and there was one more light. Uh, way down, uh, there was a bite. It was odd. There was one clear down over Bellingham. They all they were there for about 20 minutes, and silently they all zoomed more or less sideways due south, and they were just gone. Well, there you go. Another similar report. Mm -hmm. Francis, um, you know, the phones are lit up here, and I could probably sit here and take calls from Phoenix uh, and the area and the people who saw it from now until... We want to. I go off there at four o'clock in the morning, uh, but I think it is sufficient to already say. Obviously, uh, a lot more than five people uh, saw it. Zillions of people saw it. And if I could ask the people that you know wanted to call in, um, if they could call my office, it would be real helpful. And uh, they're keeping track for me. And you know, I've taken a lot of calls at home. Thirty-seven last Saturday, to be exact. But um, this way, you know, it's it's documented in my office, and that would be very helpful. All right. So people uh, who saw this or people who want to at least support the effort to have somebody look into it, which is what I presume you're moving toward now with your request to the Air Force, um, can support you by calling that number or, barring that, calling you at home because you're listed in the directory. That's true. Um, and I'll try to get back to everybody. It may take me a little while, but I do eventually get back to everybody. Well, you're a courageous lady. I wish you well. And listen, Francis, the minute you need some help, you call me up, and um, and I'll get you on the air. Okay. All Thanks right? a bunch, all right? Take, Fran uh, take care, Francis. Bye-bye. Okay. That's Councilwoman Francis Barwood from Phoenix, where one of the most incredible uh, displays of light, or a craft, depending on how you want to look at it, manifested itself over a major population area of Phoenix in March. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Bell somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. And I want to repeat the contact information for Frances Barwood. She is a councilwoman uh, for the city of Phoenix who dared to open her mouth to just suggest 
that somebody really ought to investigate whatever this massive thing hanging over uh, a valley with two million people, two million people, was. And uh, she's catching hell for it. From the cartoonists and the newspaper people to the mayor to other council people, uh, though she said not too much with that regard, other council people, and uh, you know how that goes. So if you are one of the ones in Phoenix who saw these lights, if you are somebody in Phoenix who would like to support her with regard to at least a request for an investigation of what the hell this was, she says she's going to the Air Force now uh, through a, um, um Arizona senator, then contact Francis Barwood. All right, in a moment, on to other things, uh, and we'll just have open lines for the remainder of the night. Tomorrow night, Terrence McKenna, a person many of you have been requesting, is going to be on the show. He'll be coming to us from the big island of Hawaii. All right, a quick look at what's going on. Uh, in Denver, uh, prosecutors wrapped up their case against Timothy McVeigh, and it looks to me to be a very impressive case indeed, on Wednesday afternoon. The prosecution presented a total of 137 witnesses in 18 days in the Oklahoma bomb, uh, bombing trial. Now, this is a case built on circumstantial evidence, but... Uh, you can build a case in that manner, and it does appear to be overwhelming circumstantial evidence. Uh, the defense, of course, is going to go to work very hard, or as hard as they can on that, in suggesting, arguing, it is only circumstantial evidence. And here we are talking about the death penalty, and without fingerprints, without really hard evidence... Uh, you are about to dispense a man's life. And I wonder how that jury is going to struggle with that question, don't you? President Clinton criticized the fashion industry Wednesday. Fashion industry. Get this. For allegedly projecting a positive image of heroin use. At a White House conference on drug abuse, President said that those who make and market clothes should not try to glamorize Addiction. The president said heroin is fast becoming the drug of choice, and part of this, he said, has to do with the images that are finding their way to our young people. Some call it the heroin chick approach to marketing, in which models strike poses that make them appear stylishly strung out on drugs. You know, um, I've got to wonder about that a little bit. How... how in God's name, is a person stylishly strung out on drugs. I don't see that. When I see models on the runway, and you know, CNN does a lot of um, fashion shows, and yes, the women seem emaciated to me. But I do not translate in my mind that emaciated model look, and you know what I'm talking about, to heroin use. Do you? U.S. lawmakers are pressuring the Air Force to grant the first woman B-52 bomber pilot an honorable discharge rather than court-martial her on charges, including adultery. Several congresswomen at the Washington News Conference called on the Air Force to drop the charges against Flynn. 
The Air Force is weighing Lieutenant Kelly Flynn's demand that she receive an honorable discharge upon her resignation. Air Force has delayed Flynn's court-martial, while Air Force Secretary Sheila Windall considers the resignation request. Now, um, yesterday morning I made, at the end of the program, an error, uh, and not a lot of you would have heard it, but I will repeat it. I said, when I was in the Air Force, and I was an airman in the Air Force, there were very strict laws regarding fraternization. In other words, uh, somebody of enlisted rank was not to be dating or betting somebody of uh, officer rank. And toward the end of the show, um, a man from Idaho, Bob, called and said, Hey, Art. What were your parents? He said, were they both commissioned? And I, I responded, oh, there were just a few seconds left, and I said, yes. And then I immediately thought, oh, my God, no, they weren't. Now, my parents were indeed uh, separated uh, by that barrier. Now, I'm not sure in 1944 uh, or 45 if the same non-fraternization rules existed. But I realized I made a mistake. My mother was a drill instructor at Camp Lejeune, which is where I was born in North Carolina, and my dad was an officer, both of them in the Marine Corps. So it occurred to me that uh, in, in my formation there must have been some fraternization, uh, or prior to my... Uh, formulation. There must have been some fraternization. And so I was entirely wrong about that. What I don't know, though, is what the UCMJ suggested with regard to fraternization at that time. So, you know, I've got to ask my mom about that. If I'd had time today, I would have called. Uh, with regard to the Kelly Flynn uh, case, the Lieutenant Flynn case, I originally thought that uh, frankly, that Lieutenant Flynn uh, deserved better treatment. That, and, and I know this is true. Look, I know it's true. Uh, 60 Minutes even did a little segment on it, and they asked the right question, and that was, come on, you know damn well a lot of B-52 pilots uh, have been messing about with married women, have been called on it, and that the whole thing has been swept under the rug. Good old boys network kind of deal, right? Sure, that's true. I believe it. I know it. And when that was the only story, and Lieutenant Flynn was saying she had been lied to, she uh, had been lied to, and that this man uh, had told her that he was separated, at that point, I thought, that she should then be treated, and they were making a big case out of this, and just persecuting a woman in a way they would never persecute a man, or rarely, unless there was something else going on. Okay. However, now her ex-lover, I presume ex, has been talking, and uh, as has his uh, wife, or is it ex-wife? I really don't know, but both of them have been saying, in essence, that Lieutenant Flynn lied, and that she came over to their house and had dinner, and all that kind of thing. So now, if Lieutenant Flynn told a series of lies uh, with regard to this, then you've got 
a different situation. And if, if that really is the case, then perhaps a court-martial should proceed. So I have mixed feelings as I find out more about this case. And I, I wanted to tell you that even with regard to my own parents, I've got to sit down and think about it because, I don't know, I had to call my mom, really, and ask her what the UCMJ said at that time about fraternization. Am, am I, in fact, the product of fraternization? <laughs> I probably am. <laughs> I mean, surely I am. The only question is what the UCMJ said about it at that time. Uh, here's a fax on the subject. Uh, Dear Art and the rest of the intelligent portion of the American population, doesn't it worry anyone, even a little bit, that uh, First Lieutenant Kelly Flynn, a single woman, is charged with adultery instead of alienation of affection, while the married man involved in the same sordid affair is looked upon as completely innocent. Hasn't anyone figured out something is wrong with this little slice of juicy news? Worse yet, this self-same innocent married man and his wife strongly oppose giving Lieutenant Flynn an honorable discharge. Are people involved in this kind of thing considered innocent merely by virtue of expressing outrage and indignity? Who's screwing who here? Why isn't this guy's wife upset at him? Lieutenant Flynn isn't married. But all eyes have been diverted from anyone else. Why? Rich in Texarkana, Texas. And I, I do agree, Rich, uh, the way this story has developed. Smacks of what the press has been doing lately. And I'm saddened by it whether it's our friend Mr. Rosenthal back in the Washington AP Bureau or any other major reporter, it seems to me that once the press gloms onto a story, woman, B-52 pilot, adultery, then woe is anybody who gets in the way of this angle of the story that the press wants to tell. And I'm tiring of it. I really am tiring of it. I know that we live in a supposed free society, but if our supposed responsible press um, is unwilling to report the facts and they're going to stick to their story the way they want to tell it no matter what, then the meaning of free press becomes diluted, uh, severely diluted, uh, to the point where news and editorial comment are mixed to a no longer discernible point. Are you all following me now? I've had two recent examples of that on my own, and I really see that same sort of thing going on here and now. It's kind of a sad thing, isn't it? And here's this. Art, while I must agree, you're a subject of the Phoenix UFO sightings, certainly makes interesting conversation for your audience. Isn't this just doing a verbal dance around the real concerns lurking in the shadows of this issue? The questions and concerns emerging seem to mask a rapidly spreading fear that our great American government can no longer be trusted about anything. In view of this obvious situation, our questions and concerns amount to little more than whimpering in the scary dark, perhaps it would be far more American, nay, far more human, 
to simply take charge of our government and demand en masse an explanation, tax revolt, whatever it takes, before we all collapse in confused cowardice. That is from uh, Lahaina in Maui, Hawaii. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, this is Patrick in Boise, Idaho, listening on KIDO. Hi, Patrick. All right, I had um, two things. Um, first one's really quick. Um, I just want to vouch for you. I've listened to the show for quite a while now, and you do always answer your own phones. Oh, yeah, I do. Even on nights when you're screening calls. Uh, that's right. I screen when I have a guest so that I know it's relevant, but on when it's open lines, I don't even screen. Yeah, I know that. And um, second of all, about the first two hours last night, um, I'm an avid horror and science fiction film buff, and... Um, just this is another thing that leads me to believe that we're just one step closer to Tuesday being a soil and green day, you know? Yeah. Um, that was a hard program. That was a hard program. It was a hard program to even decide to do. Uh, and I, I, I just, I hope a lot of people ordered it and pass it around. Uh, something's got to be done about that. Yeah, and um, just out of curiosity, you're familiar with that, right? Soil and green. Oh, of course. And, um, do you think the way things are going currently that we would ever reach that point? Do you think it's possible? If um, food production on Earth, uh, because of climactic change or uh, ozone uh, UV radiation increase or whatever other reason one can imagine, would suddenly be reduced, uh, I think a lot of horrible things would happen that are better not contemplated. Yeah, that's true. I always consider that probably the most horrifying film I've ever seen because it's so possible. Yeah, a lot of things are possible, and I used to think that... uh, I guess I used to be very naive, and I'm over that pretty much now. (laughs) Yeah. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for the call. Take care. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. And as an ex-vet myself, um, I don't understand how people can take the view that it's because she's a lieutenant colonel and a pilot and a female. That's what they're going for. She knew... She is a first lieutenant. A first lieutenant. Yes. She, it, she being a... All right, second, officer, second instruction is turn your radio off, please. Okay. Her being a officer, she took an oath to obey the orders above her and to obey the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Correct. And she broke that oath. Correct. And that is the point. It's not the adultery. It's not anything else. She took an oath, and she broke it. And that should be the bottom line. All right, but bottom lines are rarely black and or white. And, and you know, here's a truth for you to think about, okay? A lot of male B-52 pilots, uh, F-16 pilots, uh, F-14 pilots, F-15 uh, pilots, uh, they've been out. Look, these are jocks, you know. Um, they're, they're very special people, and uh, a lot of them will uh, bed down anything that moves and wears a skirt. And there have been a lot of, I'm telling you the truth here, uh, whether you want to hear it or not, there have been a lot of instances in which they've been called on screwing around because they're hot dogs. That's just what they are, uh, in the air and on the ground. And frankly, a lot of it has been allowed to slide. So... You know, if, if, that, if, that's, if that's all that was going on, then I don't think she's getting equal treatment. She's, she's not getting equal treatment if that's been going on, but, she, but then trust how me, I've understood it trust is me. that 
Trust her me, sir. command knew about what was going on and gave her an order to cease and assist. That's and she correct. She broke that order. That that is uh, that is correct. Um, and did you see the sixty minutes um, segment on that? Yes, I did. In other words, the guy was living in her house. True. All right, and so she all she wanted to do. And in breaking that order, all she she had to figure out a way to go back and say, "It's over, you got to move out," and that's all she did. As far as I know, the only thing I see is if if this was an, a lower ranking individual, an enlisted man, that who was just an airman or was another posting. I don't think it would have gotten the news media that it did because she is a female pilot. And I think there's a problem with that. I I agree with you, and that is not equal treatment. Thank you. On the other side of the coin, if she repeatedly lied to the investigators, then you've got something else. So I have very mixed uh, emotions about this. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you my own story about it. Uh, I suppose I will. I've got no reason not to. When I lived in uh, Japan, I lived in Japan for a decade. Part of that, um, part of that time, uh, actually on Okinawa, it was uh, then not Japan, I lived off base with a Japanese girl and I was brought before my captain and told that uh, I had to stop doing that I had to stop cohabitating which is what they they called it then and I did not stop and I must tell you uh, that this practice, uh, though it was not a military member, obviously, it was a, a Japanese national, Okinawan national at the time, um, this is, I mean, it's so common in the military service as to be hardly worth uh, discussing. And it's generally handled among men. And I am a little bit suspicious that uh, Lieutenant Flynn is a, different case because she is a woman and uh, yet I temper that with the late news I have that she lied if she specifically lied uh, to investigators uh, then maybe a court martial is appropriate I, I, I just don't know it's a tough case it's really a tough case and I think just about everybody out there is kind of suspicious that it involves a woman so anyway there you are I wonder what you think. I'm sure you've got a view. Uh, everybody seems to be talking about it. What do you think the Air Force is going to do? Proceed with court-martial or simply allow her to leave quietly with an honorable discharge? You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997.
Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired May 21st, 1997. Boy, I'm flying around here like crazy this morning. Art Francis, uh, referring to the councilwoman in uh, Arizona, Francis is asking the Air Force the wrong question. She should ask the Air Force to, quote, release the results of their investigation, end quote. You can bet the occurrences over Arizona did not go unnoticed by them. That's Bill uh, in Fairfield, California. And Bill, uh, you know what? I agree with you. If the Air Force did not investigate this, a major, major, major item, craft, whatever it is, in the skies over Phoenix, then it seems to me they're derelict in their duty. If they are not there to protect our skies and the sovereignty of our airspace, then what are they good for? And I say that as an ex-member of the Air Force. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe she should uh, submit a Freedom of Information request uh, regarding the incident at Phoenix. Maybe that's another way to go. I'm getting really sick of all of this. I mean, uh, a little straight talk uh, would sure be nice regarding all of this, wouldn't it? <sighs> anyway, we'll get back to uh, your phone calls in just a moment. Uh, from Terry uh, in Milpitas, California, some straight thinking, I guess. Two possible scenarios are with regard to Phoenix. One, these craft belong to a foreign government. They are not ours. We are powerless against them. Every now and then they fly around just to tweak the noses of government officials here who are forced into a frenzy of denial. This just might explain a few crazy things that government people are doing these days, but would not explain much about local officials or to... The craft really are extraterrestrial, and all those officials who are nonchalant about it are all themselves uh, aliens or humans who have been cloned or otherwise co-opted by the aliens. Huh. Well, I would go for uh, number one, except that I wouldn't imagine it to be a foreign government. I would imagine it to be my own. The puzzle for me is why our own government would choose to fly something uh, in its secret arsenal over a major metropolitan area, two million people, and that's a lot of people, uh, to look up and see something of this magnitude. I mean, that's a lot of people. All right, listen, tomorrow night Terrence uh, McKenna is going to be here, and a lot of people have been waiting for Terrence. We're going to be talking about time, the nature of time, and a lot of very interesting things. And then Friday night, Saturday morning, uh, we are going to interview Victor and follow it with an interview by uh, with Sean David Morton. And uh, Sean has been instrumental in seeing to it that we got a world-exclusive photograph on the website right now, the second photograph of the alleged interrogation at Area 51 of an alien being. In this photograph, you will see... Uh, though his face has been erased, presumably to protect the innocent, a doctor probing the mouth of this alien. It's a bizarre picture. It cannot be seen anywhere else right now. It's on my website. Take a look before you hear this interview with Victor. Victor is the guy who took the video. 
Victor is going to be using a voice changer uh, to protect his own identity, and he'll be here at midnight Pacific time. So, be here. And in the meantime, take a look at that photograph. You'll find it at www.artbell.com. www.artbell.com. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Bell. Hi. I would like to relay a brief story and lighten up uh, the conversation about the female pilot. All right. In the B-52. All right. Uh, you know, that uh, jet airplane broke uh, formation with them bombs on it and crashed into the Colorado mountains. Yes. Right before Timothy McVeigh went on trial. What if... Actually, it was during the trial, but yes. But what if they had a bombed the courthouse there in Denver? Well, what if they had? I mean, you said you were going to lighten all this up. Bombing. Yeah, well... Where's the, light, where's the light part? Okay, let me tell you the light part real quick. My husband, at the age of 17, a senior in high school in 1939, prior to World War II, he joined the Texas National Guard. And right after he went into the Guard, the staple sergeant sent word out to the grounds for any young men that wanted to sign up to become a pilot and my husband was tickled to death. He thought he was going to get to be trained to be a pilot and fly an airplane. Yes. But when he got down to the stables, it was, they handed him all a pitchfork and told him to separate the manure from the hay. Pile the manure here, pile the hay there. And that's how my husband became a pilot. A pilot? A pilot. Is that what they, was there a specific career field? Um... Well, see, prior to World War II, my husband in high school was in the ROTC program. Uh -huh. Well, nationwide, uh, everybody in the ROTC, the young men, were encouraged, you know, to take it serious, get their training, yes, and yes, go into the military, you know, and fight, you know, help our country win the war that was coming on. Uh, it was prior to it. I understand. All right. Thank you very much. I uh, That is a little lighter. And uh, frequently in the U.S. military, um, when you volunteer, uh, which is why uh, people in the military are roundly told not to volunteer for things, uh, they find themselves in, enshrouded in something they did not expect nor do not want. Uh, that's fairly common in the military as well. You've got to be a very special kind of person to be in the military in the first place. It's not for everybody. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Art? I'm doing. Uh, yeah, my name's Scott, and I'm over here in Level, Wyoming. Yes, sir. Um, I was in the Air Force for six years. Okay. And I was at a SAC base, B-52 base. Right. In Shreveport. Right. And, uh, man, you know, you really had to, you looked up to these people, the, the bomber alert crews, when they were on alert. Sure. I mean, they travel around in packs everywhere they go, you know, they're wearing little ascots and everything. Yep. Uh... Is it is it true that she was offered an Article 15? I'm not I'm not aware that? I'm not aware of that. Okay. I'm not aware of that. Uh, that would be a lesser disciplinary right, measure right. in which uh, rank could be taken. Yeah. If, if anybody else has heard of that, you know, uh, this thing it's just been bugging me to death. I couldn't sleep tonight. I was I was in the Air Force and and I uh, when I came back from overseas, I made a reference to a new female. 
that had just come in the Air Force, and uh, I said the word babe. I said, hey, babe, shut the trunk. You know, she was walking off of the post because she didn't shut the trunk and I couldn't drive the car off. Well, yeah. just that little that little escapade there cost me $150 suspended bust. It took my weapon away from me for six months and uh, took my driver's license away from me. And I didn't get all that reinstated until a month before I got out of service. You know, it... Well, I, I look, I, let me tell you something. I, I have uh, serious questions about women in the military, period. And I have asked these questions uh, before, and I get a lot of argument about it, and I, and I know they now comprise a significant uh, percentage of our military and are very necessary to what we do. Uh, but in combat uh, uh, situations, I don't know that I'm... I'm ha- have any of you seen a movie? It's currently making the uh, pay-per-view rounds, and I'm, tra- I'm sitting here trying to think of the... Uh, uh, the name of it right now. It's a very good movie. It'll occur to me shortly. About uh, the Gulf War and about a captain who flew a helicopter. And uh, actually it portrayed her... Well, I you know, I don't want to tell you the plot of the movie. Uh, but it's worth seeing in view of what is going on right now. I highly recommend it. And I will go and get the name of the movie or somebody will fax it to me. A uh, very, very good movie, uh, by the way. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, that would be Courage Under Fire. Art. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just saw it about a week and a half ago, and my God, that was a good movie. Um, yeah, it's kind of timely. Uh, you don't hear much about women pilots. Right. So. Um, just on the subject of the emaciated models, um, I don't mean to, to nitpick. I apologize, but... It's heroin chic, not chick. Yeah, thank you. I, I always screw that up. Heroin chic. Uh, all right. Well, it's not, though, in my eyes. In other words, before heroin became chic, uh, models still looked the same way to me. But they always look ama- looked emaciated to me. True, but it's uh, it's really unfortunate that they would they would actually actually of... when you think about it, heroin chick kind of works. It, that, that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, models have always uh, sought to reduce themselves. By any means. Yeah. Uh, by any means, uh, frequently tossing their cookies or whatever else it takes. Right. <laughs> and they're also on the cutting edge, so whether it's a good fat or a bad, they tend to be on the forefront of it. Yeah, but I don't think it has all that much to do with heroin. That's that's Oh my, no no it doesn't it, it has to do with looking thin for the camera right right but I'm just saying that there are you know casualties of war so to speak of <laughs> being in New York and, and in the fast lane that's all I meant but um, about Phoenix I just wanted to say that 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 really is pretty amazing to have such a large amount of people see something like that and you don't hear it in the main news media well uh, or even look I mean here we've got. Uh, one of nine council people. Uh, Phoenix is a big city. Being right. on the city council is a non-trivial matter. There are only nine people below the mayor. And, and she's saying, um, excuse me, but couldn't we have an investigation? And, and they're laughing at her, chuckling at her, writing cartoons about her, and slamming her around. I mean, how Why? Much more, how much more credibility can you get? You would think that it was like Lyndon LaRouche or something. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Well, <laughs> nice talking to you, Art. Take care, sir. Carry Thank you. On. All right. Heroin chicks. 
heroin chicks. I've always screwed that up, but actually, in this case, it works, doesn't it? And I, I just don't make the connection the president is making. I have always looked at models coming down the ramp and said to myself, what's the matter with these people? Why don't they put a little bit of meat on their bones? And this was years before heroin became chic. <laughs> and I'm not even sure it is now. Since when did it become so? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Art there, it's been a long time. How you doing? I'm all right. I, Francis and I clashed uh, last year over the uh, museum issue. Hi, Francis. Uh, she's not on, sir. Oh, she's gone? No, she's gone, right. Okay, well, listen. Uh, now, let's you and I clash, because sure. I happen to agree with Francis. In other words, uh, here you had uh, a piece of art, and I'll put that in quotes, mm -hmm. uh, that was... Uh, that came and was done at taxpayer expense. Right, and as stood, all the works were. And stood in a public building. Mm -hmm. Now, every year at Christmas, um, where, when we've got uh, some sort of display in front of a public building, uh, the ACLU or somebody else comes along and files endless bitches until it is removed from public property. Okay. Okay, so if you can do that, based on the fact that it's public pro property, not private, then uh, then why does the same argument not apply to the flag? I don't necessarily agree with either argument. I just don't believe in censorship. Well, I do, I do think this. If you're going to wipe out that one exhibit which offends because it's taxpayer funding, oh. then you'll have to close down the entire exhibit. So, in other words, you don't support people who want nativity scenes removed from public property at Christmas. Isn't there something better they can concentrate on? Aren't there See, more? but you really do, don't you? So you really do have a, a kind of a conflict here, don't you? Well, no, I don't think so. Uh, do you want me to explain myself better? Absolutely. Clearer? Absolutely. Okay, I agree with her insofar as she's saying it's taxpayer-funded, and therefore, if it offends a, a great majority of the taxpayers, then it should not appear. But then again... No, no, even there, you've got the NEA. And they fund a lot of stuff that uh, people object to. So right. I, I can live with that. But but wait now. It's in a public building. Right. Now, that, that that's a different piece of territory in my mind. It's the Museum of Fine Arts. Public building. It's the only one we have. Yeah, but taxpayer-supported public building. Okay, well, then they should take the entire exhibit out. Not just that one which seems to offend Francis, but maybe all of them, because maybe all of them would offend some people. Let's not have any exhibits in there. Let's just have an empty room, and that'll be the exhibit. Nihilism in the 90s, empty room. Well, okay, so then I, I, I take you back then uh, to Christmas. Uh, a cross on a mountain, mm -hmm. a nativity scene on public property. Right. Uh, and I, I know that to remain consistent, you're probably going to tell me uh, that it ought to be allowed on public property, but I'll bet you you've been one of the ones arguing it ought to be removed, if, you, if you're absolutely honest. No. I'd be honest with the art. I, you know, sometimes I just look at things like that and I say, you know, it's kind of pretty. I don't have to necessarily read into it as a religious symbol. It's just a series of lights. And speaking of a series of lights... <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> i got to get in on that before I leave you, buddy. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I am from uh, Mesa... And I didn't, I didn't see uh, the actual happening, but I saw the video uh, on my news station. Right. And it was shot with a zoom lens. The camera right. was pretty far away. It still looked enormous. 
Yeah. So I can imagine whosever house it went over, it must have been absolutely spine tingling. Well, I heard from person after person as I knew I would. Now, uh, as much as you may disagree with Francis with regard to the flag display, uh, how do you feel about her uh, basic ridicule for simply requesting an investigation so we can know what that was that hung over the city? How do you feel about that? It's kind of interesting, isn't it, Art? This is why I love your show. In this case, she is rather anti-censorship. Right. Because people are trying to censor her. Right. I watch the live council meetings here in Phoenix. It's right. Like, it's like a not-so-well-directed episode of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> and these people are brain-dead from the... It's just... It's really frustrating. It's laughable. Well, you've seen Francis, I take it, then live on TV. And, and, and the numerous other people. And at least this woman has a sense of humor. And at least she doesn't nod off at the meetings and has to be woke, you know, kicked under the table. It's really incredible, Art. I mean, I, I love this area and everything, but, hey, you know, I saw a show, and this would interest you as well, the other night, about the space shuttle. Oh, uh, yes. And they showed um, actual footage along with simulated footage, and I was not aware that we have built a machine that can leave the Earth's atmosphere and I had no idea that upon re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, that is not unlike going a, a, a trip through hell. That's right. It's just unbelievable. That, and we have invented this craft. It, it goes 20,000 miles an hour through hell. Yes. And it gets there. It gets through. And, yes. And, it's, and it lands back on Earth. That's correct. If we can build something like that, why couldn't we build a thing a mile long with six lights? I, I don't see the big hoopla. Well, I mean, I, it's hard to believe that it's it's an alien. The hoopla comes because the Air Force says uh, we don't investigate those right. sorts of things. Now, of well, course, wouldn't you say? Uh, with the exception of very few people in government. Sir, I would say that if the Air Force is not concerned about security over our major population centers, then uh, somebody needs to sit down and write them a new job description. Here's a weird take on it for you. Really I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like, should, um, should we be watching Russian submarines off our coast? If the Navy doesn't want to do that, then they, too, should have a new job description. Uh, I, look, i got to break away. I love you, baby. Thank you. Take, take care. care. All right. That'll be a $100 fine. I love you, baby. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997.
Radio Network presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired May 21st, 1997. I'll tell you, I really like this song. I really like this song. But I guess you can tell, huh? <laughs> West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Hello. Good morning, Lone Wolf. <laughs> How are you doing? Morning. This is Kathy and Boise. Hi, Art. Hi. Um, I missed your show last night, the first couple hours. I have a question and a couple comments. Can you tell me who your guest was and, and you know, where does she come from? Where does she get her information? Um, she had, uh, Well, she's in uh, eastern Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, she acquired her own uh, information through investigation, and uh, I take it you know generally what the subject was. I caught an article a few days ago in a weekly paper here about uh-huh. you know cannibalism, and so I thought maybe that's what you basically were talking about. Um, it was called. Her book is called "Food Pets Die For." Rendering. Rendering, and uh, basically, it it suggests that. Um, that pets are used as pet food. Yeah. It doesn't suggest it. It charges it and I think proves it. And uh, so that's what it was about. You know, I don't have a pet, but if I did, I'd, ha- I'd do the same thing I did with my son. I'd make my own baby food for that pet. Oh, would you? Because I don't, yeah, you don't, you don't trust, you know, there's very little to trust in these days. Um, anyway, enough of that. Um, I have a request. I know you're going to um, call the aliens soon. Do you think maybe you can open up your alien talk line before and see what the aliens want to hear? <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? It is. And it's a lot of fun. I love your show, Art. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you, Ari. Yeah, sure. We're going to do that again soon, too. I do that every now and then. I open up uh, lines. Oh, 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 oh. That reminds me. You know what? Somebody sent me a fax a little while ago who said uh, and said that... Um, uh, Sacramento Television ran a piece about me. Now, indeed, uh, two very nice gentlemen from Sacramento uh, Television were here uh, about a week ago and were in studio, and they interviewed me. They took uh, a lot of video of me doing the program, and they interviewed my wife. And I have no idea no idea what my wife said. (laughs) And I got a fax earlier tonight saying, you know, I saw you and your wife on Sacramento TV tonight, Art, and uh, really enjoyed it, but I I had no warning the piece was going to run when it did, and I don't know what it was. So would would you please, uh, for a moment, cooperate with me and try and let me get a call from Sacramento on one of two lines. I want to talk to somebody who saw the piece and can tell me about it. Would anybody in Sacramento be willing to do that? Uh, let me open two separate lines. No, make it three for Sacramento. And everybody else hold off for a minute. Uh, I would like to know exactly what they had on the air. I would really like to know. You know, you, it's funny. You do these things, and then you, you hear they run, and you, you don't know what they did. Would everybody else hold off for just a couple of minutes till I get a call from Sacramento and somebody can tell me exactly what it is they ran, if you happen to uh, catch it, in Sacramento? Again, toll-free, 
West of the Rockies. Oops, you would have been on the air. I see you dumped out when you realized you weren't in Sacramento. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. The only thing I know about this Sacramento thing is my sister took a teddy bear. She threw the thing at me, hit me in the head, and said, you listen to this guy. And I said, yes. I've been telling you about him for over a year. And that's what she did, and I don't understand it. What's wrong with that? So I'm interested to know what ran myself. Um... Well, then that makes uh, that makes at least two of us, and uh, you know what the, the TV crew was here for some period of time. And but what what did you say to make my sister throw a, 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 a teddy bear? Oh, just usual stuff. People throw stuff at me all the time, sir. But I listen to you, and I'm honored to listen to you. <laughs> all right, thank you very much. Uh, take care. Um. West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Hello? Hello? Yes. Uh, I want to say that you should not be on television spreading your horrible corruption. Oh. Well, look, first of all, I know who you are, and you know that I know who you are. Turn your radio off. Oh, wait, all right, hold on. Even you, even you have got to turn off your radio. Those, yeah. are, the, those are the rules. And right, well, quit bossing me around and let me get my word in edgewise. All right. Let, let me hear what you can do uh, edgewise. Well, first of all, I just want to say this whole thing about pet foods, and so what? I mean, it's just meat, and if you're going to throw it in there in the stew, they're just dumb animals anyway, and, they, and especially those evil, filthy cats. They would be cannibalizing humans if they could get their tiger paws on this, if you ever see what happens in the wild, especially with that berserker tiger that killed that trainer in front of all those people. You know, that they're, they're filthy, vicious, devil animals, and you, you, they're perfect for you and your show, but as far as I'm concerned, they, they could melt them all down, and I don't really care. And Did you say evil, filthy cats? That's true. That's true. That's the most disgusting thing I've heard from you yet. I mean, this really tops it all. Well, of course, they're your familiars. They're, they're used in witchcraft, and what they do is they go out and they entrance people. Oh, so and, now you're saying that cats are evil, is that right? Inherently, that's correct. Hello? Yeah. All right, now listen. And another thing is about this adultery, that horrible hussy slut going around defaming our military should be should not get out of this, should not be able to wiggle out of this in uh, her little ways. You know, she should be tried the way uh, a man is tried and, and punished like a man. If she wants to play like a man, if she can't take it, then, then she should be... She should be you know, it's just another sign of how they're infiltrating and demoralizing our military. Well, what what do you say about a man who gets away with it? What's that? I said, what do you say about a man who gets away with it? Gets away with what? Gets away with adultery in the, the good old boys' club. Burning hell! This is how this is how the whole new world order. Well, what this is all about is breaking down our military with with immoral, evil people. Well, at least you're consistent there. Well, she she. I finally found something I can give you points for, but if you don't like cats, I don't know about you at all. Well, I don't like them. They're filthy animals. You know what? Whenever they come around my yard, I shoot my air gun at them, and I've hit a couple. You shoot cats? They go squalling out of there about a million miles an hour. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Praise the Lord and pass the pellets, huh? Well, they're, when, they're the devil's, when they're the devil's animals, it's okay to eviscerate and destroy them. The devil's animals. And, and you're, 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 you and your your guests have just been more subversive, and you're getting you're getting way you're getting crazier than I've even thought that you could be. You really do love me, don't you? Well, as far as all your you your deals of, of diseases being made up, 
by the government and 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 loosed upon the the population. That's just such that's that's such idiotic. You rim, you embrace you every know? word I say. You <laughs> hang on every phrase, they don't you? They take away our guns so they can send us in like just like it happened in Chinaman Square, and they can roll over us with the tanks and just destroy us. And you're just helping facilitate that. Anybody who shoots cats with a pellet gun ought to have the gun taken away. No. You see, you're the one who's who's behind the the, the the defamation of our politicians by saying that they're corrupt and crooked and evil. How can you say that about them? They are. I know. Our government is a beautiful thing, and people like you and Tim McVeigh who want to tear down our government should just should just you should not be on the airways. Now you're putting me in the same class as Timothy McVeigh, J.C. I'm curious. Um, uh, if I were to tell you to walk off a pier, would you do it? I would not, because I do not take commands from Satan. Uh-huh. Walk off a pier, J.C. I don't think so. Go on, take a long walk off a you know, very it, short pier, J.C. Your, your, your worship of Satan is so apparent here. I love you. Voice, I love you, J.C. Satan, and, and... I love your voice. You get that, 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 that... I love everything you say. As far as I'm concerned, the city councilwoman should not be looking into UFOs. She should be trying to balance the budget instead of playing around with spaceships. You're cool, You know Jesse. what? You've seen too much Star Trek. You're That's my kind of guy. You've seen way too much Star Trek, and you're, you're probably smoking reefer, and, and you're just you're out of your mind with all this craziness, and you're just really going over the edge. Over the you edge. You just can't seem to contain yourself anymore. I can't. I can't. I'm uncontained, J.C. I just want to know why you won't talk straight conversation with me. Because you don't do it. Yes, I do. I'm bringing forth the new revelation from the Lord is anointed onto my forehead, through my voice, into the airways. I'm trying to save a nation, and you're just trying to tear it down. All right, J.C., that's it for tonight. It was lovely hearing from you once again. Good night. <laughs> that's J.C. Oh, now, uh, there's a revelation. Speaking of revelations... He shoots cats with pellet guns. Praise the Lord and pass the pellets. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes, sir. Uh, this is Don in uh, Nashville. Hi, Don. Enjoyed uh, hearing you on uh, the air Tuesday night with John Ziegler. That was fun. Well, uh, John's, John's a pretty good guy, but he, uh, he, he gets a little uh, carried away sometimes with some of his shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was the one that called in and mentioned that uh, article that appeared in the Nashville paper Sunday about talk radio. Oh, you know, I really, really wanted to get a copy of that. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Art. I'll uh, I'll get a uh, a copy. Matter of fact, this entire section, and I'll uh, wrap it up and send it to you. Oh, bless your heart. Uh, tell, tell everybody basically what uh, this appeared in your Nashville paper, huh? Right. In other words, uh, in one of the sections, it's uh, the title is uh, Talk Radio Tuning Out. And it says, uh, razor wire political genre seems to be losing its edge. Mm -hmm. And actually, Art, this was written by a Ronald D. Elving, and this came from uh, Congressional Quarterly. Oh, no kidding. So uh, basically, the gist of the article is that it says that uh, most politically oriented talk radio seems to be uh, losing uh, some of its following. Audience share. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I wondered if you appreciated the uh, reference to you in the article. Uh, what exactly did they say? Okay, well, I'll, I'll go down uh, to one of the paragraphs. It says, uh, such microphone titans as Rush Limbaugh, Don Imus, and Larry King continue to flourish. But the buzz these days 
is more likely to be about Dr. Laura's advice on sexual responsibility or Art Bell, a lone wolf, broadcasting from the desert outside Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. That's very nice, uh, and it's very, it's very uh, correct. It's uh, the buzz inside of talk radio right now uh, as well. There is a new... There's a, a magazine inside the business called Talkers, mm -hmm. and I got my new issue of it, I think, day before yesterday, and plastered right across the front is Talk Radio and Politics, What Future Do They Have Together? And everybody inside Talk Radio is all of a sudden talking about it. I've known about this for a couple of years now. Well, this is something I've heard you mention numerous times. A zillion times, right, a million times. And, and the answer is uh, politics is part of life. But it's only part of life. It's not all of life. And when you look at talk radio, pretty much it's treated as though it's the only thing there is in life, you know, by most of the talk show hosts. Right. And I, I simply figured out that was no longer true a couple of years ago and stopped doing it. If talk radio is going to be really interesting for the people to listen to, it's got to be some sort of reflection of real life. And frankly, right now, what they're doing in Washington, D.C., is hardly even relevant to everyday life. Hardly even relevant to everyday life. So to sit here and concoct a discussion about a budget that ain't real, politicians that are crooked, and I don't use that term lightly, crooked, um, politicians who have been fined and the manner in which they will pay that fine, or any other myriad of things that they talk about, simply not relevant. And if talk radio persists in... Um, I was actually invited to be the keynote speaker at a convention. I, You know, I don't do that kind of thing, so I turned it down, uh, I politely turned it down, a big talk radio convention. But had I gone, I'd have been in terrible trouble because I would have lectured them on this subject. Literally lectured them. They're making a mistake and for all those who want to take shots at me for doing something a little different, fine, who cares, take your shots. Be my guest. I've got a good thick skin. It's had a chance to develop over many, many years. I don't care. And people take shots at me every single day. But given an opportunity to lecture people in my own field, or to talk to people in my own field, I would have explained this to them, and I know they would not have wanted to hear it. So I thought about it and thought better of it and decided not to. It's just, I mean, think yourself, folks. Other than uh, a few really devoted political junkies, how many, how many hours every day do you spend talking about politics with your wife, your children, the people you work with, whatever? How many hours... Oh, I bet you can count it in minutes, or maybe not at all. So, there's lots of other things in life that are interesting. And uh, whatever they are, we do them when they come up, spontaneously. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Wait till I turn my radio off. Okay. This is Maria. Hi, Maria. In Sarasota. Sarasota, Florida. That's the country. That's down near my dad, yes. 
Yes. Is he still in the Cortez area? Ah, uh, he certainly is. You should come visit. I know. Oh, we He have, keeps telling me the same thing. We have the cultural center of the southeast in this area. Ah. Uh-huh. And I'm not kidding. Anyway, I had two things I wanted to tell you. I know where most of my little ones are buried. and uh, Most of your little ones? Yes. I had mostly Cocker Spaniels. Oh, those kind of little ones. Yes, I had the most beautiful one in the whole world. She was red and white, and she was gorgeous. She had 20 champions in her pedigree. But uh, she's buried in St. Petersburg in the Happy Hunting Grounds. Uh Uh-huh. And they have, people should know that they do have lovely pet cemeteries around. And... uh, you can put put them there, and then you wouldn't have to worry about the rendering. Well, that's exactly right, and you can be you can be sure of one thing: the next time uh, something happens to one of my pets, uh, I am not going to leave it with a vet. Definitely. And the other thing I wanted to tell you, Art, I I belong to the Unity Church, and it's down in Venice, but. We have been adopted by a kitten. He's adopted our church. And he oh. he's um Did you hear J C there a minute ago? Mr. Oh, I, God, I, that, Mr. I, I represent I God. I couldn't stand him. Oh. But anyway And he's out there shooting cats. This, yes. Well this little kitten I haven't seen it yet. But it's a, a gray tiger and has white feet. And it has its own kitty door to come in and out and uh, the minister told me the other day that uh, they had been feeding them inside the church but they had to quit doing that because the coons come in his little kitty door and eat his food (laughs) 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 so now the church is kind of out in the country (laughs) so now they're feeding him outside well, that's wonderful. But anyway, it, oh, his, his name is Ezekiel. <laughs> uh, well, J.C. would put a pellet through him without thinking about it. Yeah, he'd have a fat chance of doing that around me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Huh? Bye-bye. Take care. Ezekiel. Huh? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, this is Bob from Sacramento. Uh, hi, Bob. How are you? I'm oh, Sacramento, good. Sacramento. Bob, did you happen to see the piece they ran on me? Yes, I did. Um... I want to hear all about it because I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. In fact, I even taped it. Oh, um, no kidding. No. So if you want it, uh, you can give me an address or something, and I can send it to you. I will absolutely supply you with an address. Um, in the meantime, though, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, what sort of... Uh, I'll tell you what. I've got a break coming up, and okay. you're on a toll-free line, so I'm going to hold you over. Okay. And what I want you to do is try and remember most of the details about it, uh, in particular what my wife said, because <laughs> I have absolutely no idea, okay. and uh, the angle they took on the piece. And when we come back, we'll uh, we'll see what that was all about. Uh, yeah, there was a whole very nice TV crew here, as a matter of fact, from Sacramento. They run, I'm told, in other areas of the West, but I started getting facts and saying, hey, saw you on TV. And... Uh, I had no idea it was going to run that quickly. Ah, well. The electronic age, huh, folks? You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997.
You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from May 21st, 1997. Well, uh, I've just got a, a word. There's uh, been a couple of earthquakes. The VANUATU Islands, a 6.4, 6.1 in southern India. That might be very serious. Uh, that word just in, and uh, we'll see, have to see how it develops. So a couple of uh, pretty big earthquakes. Again, coinciding with uh, a very full moon up there, as you know. All right, back now to Sacramento. Uh, thank you for hanging in there, sir. No problem. Um, so, uh, they ran a TV thing on me there in Sacramento. What, um, uh, what, what was the, uh, the angle? Really, they just kind of talked about you, you know, how you like to take callers and explore, you know, the unknown, you know, Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff. Um, mm. When they also interviewed your wife... I know. See, I wasn't around for that. See, I was in here <laughs> doing the program, and the the guy with the camera and the the producer mm-hmm. uh, went into the other room, and um, I had no idea they were <laughs> they were doing that. <laughs> so, what did my wife have to say? She was just saying that uh, she wishes that you could take a little more time off to relax a little bit, you know, to take a break. Yeah, she t- she tells me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so. And they uh, they also ran your story about your uh, UFO. Oh, really? UFO encounter, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The... And they were also showing clips from uh, Close Encounters from the Third Kind. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought that was kind of funny. So it was a pretty good piece then? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. God, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I've got that tape, and if you want it, I could send it out to you. I would, I would absolutely appreciate it. Oh, and they also mentioned um, you're on... 650 KST. You bet I am. Sure. And they also mentioned how you really raised their ratings up to number one on the AM AM stations. Well, that was not only kind, but true. (laughs) Thank you very much. You'd like that, and all your fans would like that, too. (laughs) Yep, yep, we do like that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take care. Uh, It is true. And we've done that just about everywhere uh, we've gone. And there's no magic to it. It's just loose, anything goes radio, and uh, it's a little bit of a different diet than what's being served up everywhere else, and apparently that's all it takes. One of these days, the rest of the industry is going to wake up to that. I hope. Um, all right, uh, Wild Card Line, you are on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art. Super Dave up here in Harp Country, Alaska. Super Dave. All uh, right. I like that name, Super Dave. Right. Um, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, well, J.C. was hilarious. I was rolling. That was guy, I don't funny. know. I, you know, I don't even know what to make of that guy. I, uh, I, I vacillate between thinking, you know, that he is just a put-on. But you know what? I really, I really don't think he is because I put him on the air one night for an hour. Uh, I said, yeah, J.C., I'm yeah. going to have you. Oh, you remember that, do you? Oh, yeah, I was listening to it totally. So, you know, he points the finger just a little too much. Um... Yeah, and, you know, like, he was really coming after me tonight. He knows how I feel about cats, and so that was really a low blow, I thought. Oh, that was, oh the voice was hilarious. You know, I wanted to um, uh, ask you, I was watching a thing on Discovery Channel about um, uh, Stealth, Bomber, and a few of the other planes. They were talking about how they had were flying that triangle-shaped plane back in 64, and they were hiding it for that long, and then they showed a picture of of an old old plane, um, you know, that was you know 
considerably smaller than the real one. You know, it was like the shape of a car or something, you know, and or, you know, as small as a car. And towards the end of the program, the guy was saying how they had unmanned floating platforms, and they showed this circular disc. And I couldn't believe this show, and I wasn't recording it on VCR or nothing at the time, but I have been watching to see if they would repeat it. Mm -hmm. And I was just, you know, I was like, you know, it's the government. You know, a lot of these discs people are seeing in Mexico, you know, it's not far from, from you know, Area 51. You know, I think it's the big scam. Well, it's something, sir. I don't know what, uh, but it's definitely something. It's not nothing. There's something really going on, and um, I... I'm I'm getting a little frustrated with the whole thing. Uh, that's why I had this very nice uh, city council member on from Phoenix earlier. Uh, people like that are not just doing this for attention. Uh, this woman is getting clobbered. She's asking legitimate questions about a craft that hovered above a major U.S. city with two million people in the area uh, for a substantial amount of time, and they're laughing at her. That kind of makes me angry. Right. I, I mean, it's it's just like this big form of denial. It's, it's I mean, it's there, you know. It's it's uh, getting a little worse than that. Thank you uh, very much for the call, but it's getting worse than denial. It's um, it's actually beginning to almost get me angry. I mean, I, I, I why do we get a response to a legitimate question? Uh, I mean, she is one of nine people who are on the city council. A phoenix. Thousands of people, not five, saw this. It was captured on videotape. It ran on national news. It ran in Phoenix. Um, blah, blah, blah. It was real. Whatever it was, it was real. A real something. And a request for an investigation of a real something brings derisive laughter. And that makes me angry. So I, you know, frankly, I hope a lot of people call her up and give her support. I really do. I hope a lot of you call her up and give her support, uh, particularly those of you who saw it and uh, also feel that uh, legitimate questions should not be uh, poo-pooed and that people should not suffer uh, politically simply because they ask questions. If we come to that day and age, well then... <laughs> What does it say here? What? Why am I the last to find out anything around here? So you're going to advertise web TV? Yes, we found a very good company, um, and I've been wanting to advertise web TV for a long time. And this is a really good company. So you're going to be buddies with Bill Gates, huh? Well, I guess. He bought it. Um, this, uh, this, I've been experimenting with web TV quietly, uh, for the last days, and I've got it here, and it is wonderful. I really, I was really pleasantly surprised, um, with the efficiency of web TV. You know, for people who don't want to use a computer, but they want access to, for example, my website, yeah, there's no question about it, web TV is the way to go. Um, I'm a computer nut, and so I do it through computers, and I, frankly, had a lot of reservations about web TV, and boy, are they gone. It is so easy. I mean, you plug it in, 
it says hi there, basically, and dials the number automatically, connects you up, and asks you where you want to go. It is the simplest, um, user-friendly, important thing to happen in a long time. So, yes, um, within the next, I don't know, week or something, you're going to hear us advertising web TV. And uh, I think the very best system out there right now. That's all I'll say about it right now. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art, how you doing? All right. Uh, turn your radio off, yeah, please. I'm about to hit it. This yeah. is good. Yeah, I clicked on before. Yeah, I keep trying to get through, and I never expected to get through, and I heard you, and boom, all of a sudden, oh, i got to run and turn my radio off. There you go. Hey, i got a question for you. A while ago, you mentioned if someone had a uh, an, an atomic bomb, what would you do with it? I remember that, yes. Um, I'd make every person who owes money, <laughs> U.S.-wise, to pay up. Well, the trouble is that unless you could gather them all, the debtors, that is, in one general area, uh-huh. uh, you'd have trouble with one bomb. Right. And, this, and you could only use it once, and then everybody else would laugh at you. This is true. Now, I, I've got another question for you. The thing that happened in Arizona... Yes. Um, I've never seen, I, I work graveyard, so I never see any news on it or anything. Um, how serious was this? Very serious. Really? Yes, very serious. It went on for hours. Holy cow. Uh, it was hovering over a major U.S. city. Phoenix is a major U.S. city by any measure. And, um, and this poor city council lady, uh-huh. uh, all she did was, uh, go to the city council and ask that there be some sort of investigation and, you know, the usual has happened to her. Right. Huh. So. Now, see, that, that, that amazes me, because if as many people supposedly have seen, have seen this, excuse me, and has a proof, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, it's been on why, why is there so much of a uh, supposed denial, we'll say? I'm not sure it's exactly a denial, because they can't deny what's captured on film. Huh. Uh, what they're saying is... Uh, the city is saying, um, we don't have the facilities to investigate that. We don't investigate that kind of thing. We can't do it. They're saying uh, the Air Force ought to do it. And the Air Force is saying, we don't investigate that kind of thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, if the city fathers of a city that size don't right. care that something that big is hovering over them, that nobody knows what it is, uh, then what good are they? And uh, if the Air Force, who is supposed to be protecting our skies... right. Um, and our national security isn't concerned about something that big hovering over a uh, major U.S. city's airspace, then, uh, what, then what good are they? Well, that depends on uh, what you consider national Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, I'm calling from uh, Seattle. Yes, sir. From uh, Como and uh, KBI. Yes, sir. And uh, I have a friend that him, we listen to you all the time. And uh, we debate this back and forth. I have a friend of mine named Brian, and I'm Morris from uh, Factoria. And... Uh, I, the reason why I don't think it's really a national security issue is because I think they are our own ships that supposedly are so far advanced in technology. I mean, that's the theory that him and I bounce back and forth. If the government says, well, all right, all right, no let's, let's go with that for a second. I'm willing to accept that scenario. If they are that, uh, then you would think at the very, very least. Right. They, if they had these ships, they would not hover them over a two million area of population. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would be somewhat more discreet and go out into the middle of the desert. Where not I, necessarily, the best kept the best kept secret sometimes is right in front of your face, hiding in plain sight. Exactly. 
Well, then the theory that I have the, running around with. Well, then they're playing play. they're playing head games with us. The military play head games. Yep. Oh, pasha. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, sir. All right. Uh, here is a statement attributed to Walter Cronkite from the New American, May twelfth, nineteen ninety seven. I don't know if this is true, but uh, supposedly it came from the New American. Walter Cronkite. If we are to avoid a nuclear World War II, quote, a system of world order, preferably a system of world government, is mandatory, declares Walter Cronkite in his recent book, A Reporter's Life, that proud nations someday will see the light and for the common good and their own survival, yield up their precious sovereignty, just as America's 13 colonies did two centuries ago. When we finally come to our senses and establish a world executive and parliament of nations, thanks to the Nuremberg precedent, uh, we will already have in place the fundamentals for the third branch of government, the judiciary the judiciary. Hmm. You think Walter Cronkite really said that? He might have. Was to the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Let me turn the radio off. Good for you. Good evening, Art, or you should say good morning. I'm calling from Fairbanks, Alaska. Well, even there, I think it's solidly morning now. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm so glad I got through. Art, I want to say two things. I listened to you um, the night that you asked us to meditate or to send oh, yes. our thoughts to whatever intelligence is out there. Yes. Well, I want to tell you, I did, and I've been meditating for the last 30 years, so I, I honestly, I shut your radio off, and I did that, and about a half hour after I did that, the most well, for me, it was funny. It was because I love the outdoors and living in Fairbanks. I miss living in the bush. <laughs> hmm. You know what I mean? I do. My window, my bedroom window, faces an Alaska um, um, willow tree. Mm -hmm. They're not like the willow trees down south. And it, so it's big. And guess what flew up on it and started cooing to me? Cooing, an owl. cooing to an owl. An owl. Oh, you're kidding! I couldn't believe it, and I kind of kept on trying to meditate, but I couldn't meditate because I started giggling, <laughs> and I was so because they won't come there that they're not here that much in town, and it was the most beautiful owl. And I went to the window, and I just looked at it, and it just stayed there. It didn't move or anything. Well, about. Three or four weeks ago on your show, it surprised me because someone on your radio state, on your, on the, I don't remember who it was, mm -hmm. popped up about owls. Owls, yes. And I thought, oh, they? I don't believe it. <laughs> well, I, I um. Was, I was really surprised. And, and that's the first thing I wanted to tell you. Well, it was a hoot. It was wonderful. I couldn't believe it, and I was wondering if other people had animal experiences that night. Well, 
you know, I'll probably get put away, but I am firmly convinced that it is possible to communicate with animals. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, with telepathy. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got this wild cat of mine called Comet, and Comet is still pretty much a wild thing. But I can sit calmly by Comet and meditate and try and communicate with him, and even without touching him, he will start purring. Mm-hmm. And I just darn well know that I am in some form of communication. He note, I can noticeably see him relax. His ears come forward. Mm-hmm. His muscles relax. I, I, I just know it. I mean, I just know it. I, people will think I'm crazy, and I don't care. Oh, I, I agree 100% with you. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to be on a more serious note, Art, I haven't been able to listen to you all the time because I, I honestly can't stay awake all night. Um, has anybody been calling or saying anything about the aura of the planet? I, you know how we have auras and, and all plant life has auras? Right. Since I was a little girl, I've always been able to see, especially if I go up to the, uh, like on a horizon, you can see the aura of the planet. I, I've n- not been aware of that, but I would imagine it could be so. Well, it's, sure. al- it's always been, my father told me that it's just part of the gift we have in our family. So and I suppose our aura has turned a dark poop brown. <laughs> no. No. No, no. I was, what I couldn't, un- what I can't understand is all my life, I was born in 1940, I'm 50, I'm, I'm going on 57, and um, what I couldn't understand is the, the wave of the aura is becoming more jagged. Mm. And I was wondering if any of your people that you have on have said anything about it. No, you're the first one. Uh, but I would imagine if the planet had an aura, which I wasn't aware of, that it would be at the very least right now getting a bit jagged. It is, it's not the normal waviness of it. You know how you know how an aurora is, the waviness of the aurora. Life on on this planet, my dear, is becoming a little jagged. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to give you the honors because the program is over. Oy We're vey. out of time. So, uh, from way up north in Fairbanks, Alaska. This is Fairbanks, Alaska, saying God bless you, Art Bell, and good night, the whole world. Well, that's it. Thank you, ma'am. And uh, from the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Thank you all. Tomorrow night, don't forget Terrence McKenna. You're going to find that fascinating. We'll be talking about time. Until then, wherever you are, good night. Good night.